When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Buckeye Talk fans, guess what? This week's Buckeye Talk is brought to you by Barnes & Noble, the Ohio State University bookstore. You can find all kinds of great Ohio State merchandise at the storefront at 1598 North High Street in the Gateway or online at shopohiostate.com. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. We're all together the way it should be. Look how happy we are. Look how happy we are. I'm ecstatic. You have a banana on your shirt. I do. A banana with a baseball bat. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, your Ohio State coverage team for Cleveland.com. We are gearing up for football season. We are back together. I make this vow to you. Make this vow to you. None of us are ever going to go on vacation again. Never. Or, or here's the alternative. We go on vacation together so that we can do Buckeye Talk on vacation. I'd rather not go on vacation. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, summer's over. Summer's over because Big Ten Media Days are around the corner. We will be in Chicago on Monday and Tuesday. And we have a lot to talk about this week. And we have uh, still more big things happening with Buckeye Talk. Um, we're still kind of in a holding pattern. Big things happening. Our next Buckeye Talk will be next week from Chicago. It will be up Wednesday. We're sorry we're late this week. That's my fault getting back from vacation. Next week we will be up Wednesday because we will record it in Chicago on Tuesday at the conclusion of Big Ten Media Days. And it's going to be a blockbuster Buckeye Talk. But this one's good too. Uh, you can read our coverage at cleveland.com slash OSU. And we're going to start off, we're going to try to start this now Shift Buckeye Talk a little bit where we give you a good big block, a 20 or 30 minute block at the start of good solid football talk, and then we'll get into the shenanigans and questions. But our lead topic this week is about our preseason Big Ten media poll. Cleveland.com, this is the eighth year we are doing it because the Big Ten has abdicated its responsibility. <laughs> It does not want to hurt anyone's feelings. The Big Ten is the only major conference that does not conduct its own preseason poll of media to come up with a preseason favorite. They instead do a poll where they ask, I think, everyone's favorite color, and they say everyone's going to tie for first, and they have Chris Ash and Kirk Ferentz hold hands, and everyone is united um, in Big Ten Brotherhood. And everyone's favorite color is clear as to not offend anyone. Yes. Um, and everyone's favorite food is toast <laughs> with, with nothing on it. 
Um, and everyone's favorite play is the punt. <laughs> That's and, my favorite play. And everyone is just happy because why would we want to offend anybody by saying that, for instance, Rutgers is going to finish last? Why would anyone say that? So at Cleveland.com, this is the eighth straight year, we do a poll of all all the writers around the Big Ten. They email us their picks, and that will be released Friday, tomorrow, in advance of Big Ten Media Days. And here's the question, loyal Buckeye Talk listeners. I have in my email inbox, and I've been home from vacation for eight hours, and I'm here with you. So I haven't even had a chance to look at it. I skimmed it. This is the eighth year of the poll. The first six years, we got it wrong. The poll was wrong. The poll did not get the right Big Ten winner for the first six years. Last year, we got it right with Ohio State. But everything revolves around Ohio State. The question every year basically is, will Ohio State win the Big Ten or not? That's the question. And most of the time, the answer is yes. When Ohio State is like at full strength, the answer is yes. So, like, the first year of the poll was 2011, and um, they were banned from the postseason that year. So, Nebraska got picked to win it because um, Ohio State wasn't in the mix. In 2012, no, that was two, no, 2011, they, it was Luke, the Luke Fickle year, and no one thought they would be good. Uh, Nebraska got picked, Wisconsin won. 2012, Ohio State was banned. M- Michigan was the pick. Wisconsin won. Those are the first two crazy years of our poll. 2013, Ohio State was picked to win it overwhelmingly. They lost the Big Ten Championship game to Michigan State. That was all about Ohio State. 2014, we did a revote after Braxton Miller got hurt. Michigan State was then picked to win it. Ohio State surprised everybody with JT Barrett. Ohio State won and won the national championship. 2015, Ohio State got every single vote with all those players back. 40 of 40 writers picked Ohio State to win it. They didn't win it. They lost to Michigan State in the regular season. Michigan State won the Big Ten. 2016, Ohio State got 27 of 29 votes. Penn State beat Ohio State in the regular season and won the Big Ten championship. So it's always about, is it going to be Ohio State, right? And most of the time when Ohio State's good, Ohio State's the pick. Ohio State was the pick in 13, 15, 16, and 17. They weren't the pick in 14 because Braxton Miller got hurt. Question, fellas. Is this finally the year when Ohio State is at full strength, and yet in our poll, they maybe will not be predicted to win the Big Ten Championship? And you two have both voted in the poll already. Thank you for sending in your votes. I have not yet filled mine out. Bill, do you think, and we'll, we'll say this, we peaked a little bit. Some people are picking Wisconsin. I have not tallied. I have peaked. Who do you, who do you think the writers are going to end up picking? Uh, Ohio State. <coughs> like, I'm like I was reading some things about Wisconsin as you were talking and thinking that it's maybe not so crazy to pick Wisconsin to win the Big Ten this year. Um, I'm going to interject and say it's crazy. Go ahead. People who are smarter than I am like Wisconsin. And by people smarter than me, I mean Bill Connolly. That's who you always mean. We have to get him on the show. Yeah, he's a genius, and he's really smart about football. Um, And I was just like reading some of the things. Like, Wisconsin, 
Last year was the best on offense has been since 1962. The best on defense has been since 1951 by like his analytics ratings that I think are a very good gauge of who's good and who's not. And everybody's back. Like they were a legitimate playoff caliber team last year, even though they didn't get there because they lost to Ohio State in a Big Ten championship. And almost literally everyone is back from that team. And I have. Uh, shared how I have changed my look, opinion look, on Alex I see, now, I, I just noodle want, arm. I want to tell the people that you have a little smirk on your face. If you are Why? getting a little Wisconsin smile, you are buying the cheese hype. I can see it on your face. You've got a banana on your t-shirt and cheese on your face. <laughs> That's normal, though. <laughs> That's like every day. Um, I still think you should pick Ohio State. But say your noodle arm thing, because I like the noodle arm thing. I interrupted you about noodle arm. Alex Hornerbrook two years ago when Ohio State played in Camp Randall Stadium, like, couldn't throw. He, I thought he was awful. Um, and then last year he changed my mind a little bit. Now, I was actually just looking up because I, I, I was preparing myself for this conversation thinking, well, like I don't think Wisconsin can do anything because in the end Wisconsin can't throw. And Wisconsin was actually a pretty good passing team last year. They weren't an explosive passing team, but they were a very efficient team. And Alex Hornerbrook's yards per attempt was over eight yards. It was like eight and a half. It's really good. Way better than Ohio State's was. Um. So I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm not a believer in Wisconsin to the point where I'm. And I didn't pick Wisconsin to beat Ohio State. I picked Ohio State to win the Big Ten. And I think you probably should still pick Ohio State to win Big Ten because in my mind, it, in the end, it comes down to talent. And there's no one in the conference as talented as Ohio State. That has not changed yet. And honestly, talent wise, if you just go by, I know recruiting rankings aren't, aren't the end, they'll be all. But if you just want to go by that as your judge of talent, Wisconsin is probably the fifth most talented team in the Big Ten behind the four good ones in the East. So. I still would not pick Ohio or Wisconsin to win. I think you should still pick Ohio State to win, but I think it is less crazy than I did three weeks ago to pick Wisconsin. Because you went on your rant, whatever that maybe it was more than three weeks ago about how Wisconsin thinks. Yeah, isn't actually that good at anyone who thinks they should be in the playoff as a fraud. Um, <laughs> no offense was, to voters in our poll, and I was mostly in agreement <laughs> with you, but I, I think I've changed my mind a little bit. But I would still pick Ohio State. <laughs> All right, so Tim Bielik is rolling out a list of the top 50, not Ohio State players, because we're going to get to that later, top 50 Big Ten players. When's that list going to come out, Tim? That is coming out starting next Thursday, a week from today. We're going to have players 50 to 26, and then the day after will be players 25 to 1, followed by kind of a list of how many players each school has. Can so, I correct myself real quick? Yeah. Because I made an error. Uh, Wisconsin was not way better than Ohio State in yards per attempt. They were the same. Which is still impressive for Wisconsin that just learned of a forward pass three years ago. Do you refer to Alex Hornerbrook on first reference as Noodle Arm still, or have you retracted that? I've retracted it and uh, passed it on to Jake Browning of Washington. <laughs> okay. Is it now Al Dente Arm for Hornerbrook? Yes. I would have loved. I would have loved for you in a news conference. He's going to be at Big Ten Media Days. To say, Noodle Arm, just address him with Noodle Arm. Noodle Arm, why do you think you guys are going to win the Big Ten? Um, what are we going to do if Ohio State plays Washington, say, in the Orange Bowl this December, and then we get Jake Browning? Are you then going to be like, excuse me, Noodle Arm? No. We're going to have no pasta. going to care about that game. We're going to have pasta. We're going to have pasta. We're going to have a pasta party. And you're going to all be invited. By the way, did you guys announce last week, was it... Has, was it announced? Yes. Oh, the show? The yeah. show? Yes. Uh-huh. All right, so we'll promote the show again later. Woo! Show! Tim, how Wisconsin-heavy is your top 50 list going to be? Well, for now, I am at a, I've got my top 25. I've, I've descended to Bill later for revisions. So this is a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. Got my red pen ready. 
For my top 25 right now, I have six Ohio State players, six Wisconsin players. Top 10 is pretty, for now, evenly split down the middle, and that's a pretty good indication, I think, of the talent Wisconsin has. And I think we're all kind of all in agreement. This might be Wisconsin, This has the potential to be Wisconsin's best team ever. I, I think, like, where those guys are dispersed matters, though. Because you have six Ohio State players, and I'm assuming half of them are in the top ten, at least. Not qu- yes, half of those six are in the top ten. Same with Wisconsin, actually. Okay, well then that's just wrong. But Wisconsin's Wisconsin's three best players are what? Two offensive linemen and a what? And Jonathan, and Jonathan Taylor. Taylor, who who I've stated I think is Antonio Williams. I've said on the record if Jonathan Taylor played at Ohio State, he would have transferred by now because he couldn't get on the field. And I stand by it. I stand by it. Well, here's the interesting thing also with Wisconsin. I took a look at the schedule. Last year, their schedule was incredibly weak. This year, at Iowa, at Michigan, at Penn State. If they like, That's why I don't think anybody's going to pick them to go undefeated. I'm certainly not picking them to go undefeated. This schedule, outside of the non-conference, is semi-gauntlet-ish. I say semi-gauntlet-ish because the West is nowhere near on the level as the East. I say semi-gauntlet-ish because it's not a word. Yeah. Okay, it's semi... I didn't even say it wrong. Say it again. You say it because I can't Semi-gauntlet-ish. Semi-gauntlet-ish. Okay, go ahead. You can also just say, it's hard. Well, this schedule includes Illinois and Rutgers. Is he their, is he their safety? Is he their free safety? Semi-gauntlet-ish? He's starting next at safety yeah. next to Dakota Dixon. Yeah. But, I mean, a schedule with New Mexico, BYU, Illinois, Rutgers, Minnesota at home. I know the Big Ten West is not nearly as good as the East. It's, def- it's nowhere near as deep. That's why I hesitate to call it a hard schedule. I mean, you can only you can, the, you can only control so many teams on your schedule. The, the teams in your division are the teams in your division. You can't change that, but we're going to learn a lot more about Wisconsin than I think we did going into last year's Big Ten title game because, they, again, you have to go into Michigan on October 13th, and then they go to Penn State on November 10th. So keep an eye on those two games in particular. Plus they play Rutgers. Last year, there are four road – like, Wisconsin was undefeated in the regular season last year. Correct. Its road games were at BYU, at Nebraska, at Illinois, at Indiana, at Minnesota. Right. At Nebraska, at crumbling Nebraska. Yeah, they won, they won 38-17. At Nebraska. pre-frost Nebraska. Pre-frost Nebraska, correct. Two things, two things. Because here's the, here's the question. The question is not, only, the question is not, is Wisconsin going to be good, right? The question is, is Wisconsin going to beat Ohio State? Is Ohio is Wisconsin going to win the Big Ten? And to win the Big Ten, uh, they could lose a regular season game instead of winning Big Ten. Sure. So they don't, they don't have to beat Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State. And it might not be Ohio State. It might be someone else from the East. <clears throat> I'm a little sick. I'm a little sick. You can hear my voice a little bit. See, the Alaska hangover. Everyone talks about it. Yeah. I ate some smoked salmon. It was pretty good. Here's the thing. Two things for Wisconsin. One is, I always question as much. I'm going to start. I'm going to. 
Here comes my praise for the Ohio State receivers. My main thing <laughs> with Wisconsin is, can they cover Ohio State's passing game? Can they cover the variety of, of, of receivers Ohio State always presents? And if Ohio State, because the question we're basically asking is, most people are going to predict an Ohio State-Wisconsin Big Ten championship game. Not everybody, but many. Mm-hmm. Many are. If Ohio State gets to the Big Ten championship game, that means they've gotten through a tough East, a division we think is the most people think is the toughest in college football. That means Dwayne Haskins was good. Yep. Like if 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 Dwayne Haskins isn't the Dwayne Haskins we think he's gonna be, then it, it might be Michigan State or Michigan or Penn State against Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, right? If Dwayne Haskins is good and they're throwing it close to the peak of what we think they might, the way they might throw it. Can Wisconsin cover that? I know their offensive line is good. Lovely. Wonderful. I know that noodle arm, (laughs) noodle arm, he's not Uh, al dente, which is the thing when you, which is al dente? Is that soft or or, or hard? Hard. He's al dente. Yeah. He's not overcooked. He's lightly cooked. He's still, he's a firm noodle. You got a firm noodle. You got a good offensive line. You have a running back who gained a lot of yards against bad teams. Can they cover? I know they have good linebackers. Can they cover? If they get to the point of facing Ohio State, can they cover Ohio State in the passing game? That's my one question. And my second question is always the case with teams like this. And it's a question that you don't have to ask about a team like Ohio State. And again, when I talk about all this stuff, it makes me sound like an Ohio State homer. But I hope by now you know that I'm not. Can they deal with success? Can they deal with expectation? Can they deal with, in the Cleveland.com preseason poll, one of the most respected preseason polls in America, that they might be picked to win the Big Ten. Ohio State lives with that every day. Ohio State, that's part of being Ohio State. That's not necessarily part of being Wisconsin day in and day out, that you're not just good, you're a national title contender. So they had a great year last year with an easy schedule. They have everybody back. They have a tougher schedule. They have great expectations, and I think they're set up for a fall. I, I don't know what the bet is because I don't want to have to walk naked from my house to Ohio Stadium or like go swimming in the river or give half my salary to somebody. So I don't know what the bet is, but I would – if you guys can think of something that won't bankrupt me or get me arrested, I'll bet it. Two regular season losses for Wisconsin at least. Mm, that would not surprise me again. No, I don't think it would surprise me either. Especially when when you draw Michigan and Penn State on the road out of the East. Now that also doesn't mean that they they still could win the Big Ten with two regular season losses. Yeah, because they but they're not going to the, pl- the West. they're not going to the playoffs. Right, right. Ohio State had two regular season losses last year, one to Baker Mayfield, and they didn't get to the playoff. Wisconsin's not getting the playoff with two losses. So I'm just I'm just we've seen it before. It happened a couple years ago with Northwestern. We've seen it before with some of these teams. When they are good, and part of their good record, they're a good team. It's not, it's not a discussion of whether Wisconsin's good. It's whether they're going to win the Big Ten. But we've seen it before. 
the two things in play are they had a very good record last year, but the schedule's harder this year. And everybody's back, so everybody's assuming that they're going to be even better when actually they weren't as good last year as their record, record indicated, in my, my belief. Yeah, I agree with that. And by the way, last year in the Big Ten Championship, they played a one-legged quarterback. Who completed I, – I was, I was getting ready to throw those stats out. He had one leg, one functioning leg. Completed fewer than 50% of his passes. He was 12 of 26. Gifted them a touchdown on maybe the worst thrown pick six I've ever seen. JT Barrett just, like, forgot that linebackers existed. And, like, they it wasn't it was never a doubt. It was 7-7, and then Ohio State beat them. It beat them 27 – or, yeah, was it 27-21? Yeah. But it was, like, I don't – I wouldn't remember sitting there thinking, oh, they're going to lose. Just like they couldn't they couldn't stop Ohio State with a one-legged quarterback who couldn't throw and average three yards carry. Jonathan Taylor, what were Jonathan Taylor's stats in that game? 15 carries, 41 yards. His longest was only seven yards. So they shut him down pretty much. Hornerbrook was 19 of 40. So let me so – like, so that's my question. So what? So so w- the, the undefeated, vaunted – Wisconsin offense that uh, that you're getting your cheese face over. That was great all regular season. Well, they have a bad game, like a coincidence. No, I mean they came back and beat Miami and looked pretty good. Miami wasn't a bad team. They ran into a defense with some NFL players and it couldn't do anything. Yeah, and they're running back. Who's good? I'm not saying he's not good. He's not Adrian Peterson. Did, oh, yeah, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. And, and guess what? This uh, The offensive line that's so great that those guys were on the offensive line last year. The running back ran, what was it again? Say it again. Say it again. 15 carries, 41 yards. That gets it done against the West. It does not get it done against the best teams in the East. It gets it done against the West. It does not get it done against the best teams in the East. And it does not get it done against a defense with a bunch of NFL players. And I just don't see it. I just, if you're picking Wisconsin, here's the thing. If you're picking Wisconsin, you have questions about Dwayne Haskins. Which is fair. Yeah, I get that. That's fine. That's that's a legitimate opinion to not be sure about the Ohio State quarterback situation. But if you believe if you think there's a shot that Ohio State's offense is going to be better with Dwayne Haskins, then then you pick Ohio State to win the Big 10 without a doubt over Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I was just looking up what Wisconsin did against Michigan last year. I got it right here actually. Of course you do. Why wouldn't you? Because I'm prepared for this. I was prepared. I was actually prepared to bring this up. Wisconsin won that game against Michigan last year, 24 to 10. But that was also the game that Brandon Peters got carted off after he got buried into the turf by Andrew Van Ginkle, who was the linebacker you mentioned, who had one of the easiest pick sixes probably in Big Ten championship game history. Van Ginkle. Yes. I do. I've I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it. My 10-year-old daughter refers to every white athlete in every sport as Van Ginkle. It's a great name. Which is, I think, is just a, like, a great – if you can get in that habit, right? Like, say, like, Mike Trout hits a home run, and you'd be like, oh, did Van Ginkle hit a home run? You know? Yeah, but he, Mike Trout is another level up from Van Ginkle. No, but it's just, it's just a thing you say. 
Like it's just you see like a white athlete doing something. You're like, is that Van Ginkle? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Like Tom Brady like throws touchdown pass in the Super yeah. Bowl. It's like that's that, is that Van Ginkle? You ever see uh, the movie Role Models with Paul Rudd and uh, what's that? Sean William Scott. Yeah. Uh, they like become a role model for or like a big brother for a little kid, mm-hmm. and he calls Paul Rudd Ben Affleck, and and he's like, <laughs> but he's like, I'm not Ben Affleck, and the kid's like, You're white, you're Ben Affleck. <laughs> Great yeah. film. Yeah. Oh, that kid's really funny. Yeah. Is he famous now? I don't know. I, don't I thought know. he was going to be famous. I don't know. You would think he was because he was probably the funniest character in that film. You know who's famous? Paul Rudd. Um, yeah. Also famous, Ben Affleck. All right. So when you guys – you guys both picked Ohio State to win the Big Ten? Yes. I picked Illinois. Tim picked Rutgers. Tim picked we know Tim picked the Rutgers-Purdue Big Ten <laughs> championship game. We know that. Tim. Well, if that happened <laughs> – how many people would go to the game? Oh, none. Like 13? No, what well, a, every person who graduated from Purdue, it would be, because it, because it's like two miles no, down the road. Here's the question I would have. No one from Rutgers. If that game happened, would anybody still be in West Lafayette when the game was going on? Or would the entire city just be at Indianapolis? Yeah. Is anybody in West Lafayette now? Isn't it a ghost town? The only person covering that game would be Tim Bielek, though. <laughs> He'd be the only person in the press box. I'd just uh, be counting up all the trick plays. What... Tim, did you hesitate at all when you picked Ohio State to win the Big Ten? Did you hesitate, or did you just say Ohio State? I didn't hesitate. Uh, no, I didn't hesitate. I might have – I did not hesitate to pick Ohio State to beat Wisconsin. I thought about some other teams to win the East, but then picked Ohio State. Who did you think about hardest other than Ohio State to win the East? Michigan. Cause I think because we, we said Ohio State Michigan is going to be undefeated undefeated game. Yeah, like I I was having a conversation with someone in like the comment section on Cleveland.com uh, this morning because uh, I put up our final schedule breakdown for the Michigan game and like I I think at the moment I'm a little higher maybe you guys are too I don't know on on Michigan than most people, um, but I think Michigan might have the best defense in the country and. It has a really good O-line coach now, and if it has a functional quarterback, I think Michigan can win the East, which means it can beat Ohio State. I don't know if I'd pick that right now if you asked me to, but I thought about picking it when we did this poll. What is a day going to come when Ohio State is not the assumed Big Ten favorite? What we started this conversation with was the idea that really the question every year is, is Ohio State going to win the Big Ten or not? Right, mm-hmm. because it, it, it it's not, and I'll tell you, there are some people in this poll who don't have Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. I've seen a, there's a couple like there's a, a Michigan State, Wisconsin, um, couple people. What what would have to change? Will it ever change? When will it change? That it becomes that it's just a mix, and it's like, hey, who's who? Who's going to be it this year? Oh, I think it's Penn State this year. Oh, it's Wisconsin. Oh, it's Michigan. It's Michigan State. Oh, it's Nebraska. Oh, it's Ohio. And that it's legitimately two or three or four or five teams all in a cluster, and you're picking a champion out of that, as opposed to Ohio State or not. What what would it take for us to get to that point? And do you see that point coming anytime soon? Urban leaving, and that's probably it. And no, not soon. Not in the next, you know, three or four years. And short of that, I don't like. I don't. 
I think James Franklin's doing a good job, and I think Jim Harbaugh's a good coach, and Antonio's D'Antonio, and Wisconsin is, is solid and, and clearly the favorite in the West, but they're not doing what Urban's doing. So until he, and as long as he's around, I think it stays the way it is. I'm thinking the only guy that, in my mind that can the, – the guy who's got the best chance to catch Urban Meyer is not Jim Harbaugh. It's James Franklin. Penn State – I wrote about Penn State's recruiting, how they're they're slowly catching up to Ohio State. I think they're a top like quarterback away from getting to Ohio State's level, and if they get to that point, then where it could be a coin flip almost between those two teams in that game, whenever it happens, whether it's you know end of September like it will be this year or wherever, that could be the tipping point of the Big Ten East for the next five six years. Who's the name of the quarterback that Wisconsin got that Ohio State was interested in? And Graham Mertz. So. Wisconsin basically won a recruiting battle against everybody. Uh, Ohio State was interested. Maybe not a head-to-head battle. Like, Wisconsin got Graham Mertz's commitment in October, and then everyone sort of piled on, and they held on to him. I don't know if I'd say they won a recruiting battle against Ohio State. And he's also not signed yet. Correct. So, But do you think Wisconsin could get to the point where legitimately every year there's a question of, is it Ohio State or Wisconsin? Like the discussion we're having right now that we're saying people are picking Wisconsin more than a handful. More than a handful. It's a, We haven't tallied. Read it at Cleveland.com on Friday morning. Read it, read it, read it. Preseason poll. The Big Ten official. The unofficially official preseason Big Ten poll. We're assuming Ohio State's going to be it, but Wisconsin's in the mix. <clears throat> Is Wisconsin going to stay there? Is this... Tim, you said people have said maybe this is the best Wisconsin team ever. Is Wisconsin reaching a new threshold? Is this a is this a peak for them? Everybody's back from a good team, and then they're going to come back to earth a little bit. And Scott Frost is going to be there, and there's going to be Kirk Ferentz is always around. Like, or are they gonna are they gonna dominate the West? and be practically on equal footing with Ohio State um, for years to come. Well, Bill and I talked about this. Someone asked a, qu- a question last week of which position you'd rather be in, the head coach at Michigan or the head coach of Wisconsin, and we got into the debate about the ceiling. And in a way, I almost feel like for Wisconsin, this is the ceiling. You know, almost a lock for the West, you know, unless they underperform like you, you've been throwing out, Doug. The idea that... You know, they can win the West because the West is not good. The West is not as deep as the East. But do they have enough to contend with the East? And the question, the answer so far is no. Because as we saw last year, Ohio State just was quicker and faster than Wisconsin. And I don't think Wisconsin ever really is always going to be able to get the kind of athletes that Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State can get year after year after year. Wisconsin recruits to its system, and they do – they've – pretty much master that. And there's tweaks along the way. I know like in 2019, they got one of the best offensive tackles in the country and Logan Brown committed. We mentioned Graham Mertz, but they're going to have to, they have to get athletic in the front seven. That's the thing. That's the narrative that Ohio state had to deal with a decade ago when they lost to Florida and they lost to LSU in back-to-back title games is they had to get faster up front to really contend with those teams. And they did. And now Wisconsin's at that crossroads if of if they can do that, and I'm not sure if they can. I mean, that's the thing. It, 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 and we saw it briefly, like with Michigan State, right? Michigan State sort of peaked. They got they made the playoff, and they got uh, who's the guy McDowell. 
Malik McDowell. Their recruiting stepped up a little bit. Like I just, yeah. it's just, can you stay? Can you, when you peak, can you stay there? Can you use the success to improve the recruiting to take yourself to a new level, or is, or is it just not going to quite be to that level? You know, I think that that's. Yeah, I just I don't I don't think Paul Chris can win the recruiting battles. I actually don't think he'd even be willing to get into them, let alone win the recruiting battles. You have to win to be that level all the time. Yeah, and there's three teams in the Big Ten East that can do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, I'm probably gonna pick Wisconsin to win the Big Ten. I don't know. I gotta. Yeah, I gotta think rant. about it. Yeah. All you guys are morons. By the way, I'm picking Wisconsin. By the way, I'm picking. That's kind of my thing. Is Brian Ferentz going to send yeah. you another? He's a hate mail for that. Oh no, no, I'm picking Iowa. I forgot. I got to pick Iowa. For all you know, Iowa. I'm here. Hey, I'm just here to make friends and make people happy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the spot where we talk about our fantastic Buckeye Talk sponsors. Soon, we think. Hope. Right here. We also would have talked about them previously by now. Things are happening. Things are happening. Things are happening. Content. Uh, we, I, I keep getting the, the theme song guy. The theme song guy continues to email me. Progress on the theme song. Um, you might buy a microphone splitter. Ooh. I mean, it's. I mean, it. It's off the chain. What can I say? Is that a thing? Um, I don't think. I don't think so. Not anymore. I deleted the podcast by accident. We're oh, good. Okay, we're back. Um, all right. Let's. So that's where the ad would go. And let me tell you, when it's time to read that ad, I'm going to read an ad like it's never been read. So be ready for that. Let's do the schedule breakdown. Let's do it. No, 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 no. Let's do, do shenanigans. It. Do we have a fart? Yes, we do. We do? This um, is the five, what's it called again? Five-star approved reviews for today. Five-star approved reviews for today. When we get a sponsor and we have to be an adult podcast, do we have to class it up and call it a flatulence? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> okay, I'm going to do, can I tell, so this is the, not. we're getting into a little nonsense. We wanted to give you a good 20 to 30 minute block of real football talk. Then we'll get into the nonsense a little bit. So I was on a cruise and the, the best part of the cruise is the entertainment staff, like the cruise director people. And there was a Brazilian guy who was an assistant cruise director whose name was Teo. And every time he would come and like host a thing, he would say, Welcome, everybody. Uh, I am your assistant cruise director from Brazil, Teo. And everybody would say, Teo. <laughs> and we played a game show one time where like he asked a question and you had to guess. Um, he would give a, a question and a percentage and you had to say what it was, whether it was higher or lower. And this one was, and so then I just did a, a Teo impersonation for all week with my family and drove them nuts, which I realized is half Borat, half Balky from Perfect Strangers. So this was the question. This is the question. What percentage of people on a cruise ship say they have smelled flatulence? And this is what happened. You walk down the hallway and you think you are by yourself. And you say, oh, I'm going to drop one. And you let out the little put, 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 put. And then you turn around and there's someone there. And you say, oh, that was not me. So, like, that was the thing. And he talked about flatulence. 
And it was 80% of people said they fled, smelled flatulence on the cruise at some point. Yeah. And I can't, it wasn't higher. I can't believe it wasn't 100. <laughs> There's buffets. You're trapped on a boat. Yeah. Where are you going to go? Just a hot metal box when you yeah. think about it. Yeah. It's just, it's a flatulence. I think it's powered by flatulence. <laughs> so that's for Dale, who did a good job because by the end of the cruise, I thought he was my best friend. And he was just getting paid yeah. to put up with ding-dongs like me. He's just having a good time. He's just, he's not having a good, I'm having a good time, he's just cashing a check. <laughs> Dale! Well, that's a fun job, though, to run a cruise ship. It's got to be a fun job. I feel like you, that could be your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. When you retire from sports writing? Yeah, yeah. No, when I go on, when I go on vacation, I think about retirement a lot. Um... To be fair, I'm 29, and so do I. Yeah. <laughs> I finished second on the uh, Dancing with the Stars competition, and my wife and I won the Newlywood game on the cruise. That's the kind of cruiser that I am. What was Got the prize it. for winning? A bottle of champagne and some cheap knockoff jewelry. Nice. What's the review? Um, this comes from Saucy D underscore Dave. Now, this is going to be your review slash rebuttals. Uh-oh. Um, from from all of us, he says, "Love the podcast, hate the Ohio food takes." Oh, okay. He says, first of all, the long podcasts are my favorite. Don't stop. That's one sentence. Doug does the does make the same point over and over in different ways, which does get a bit annoying. But mm. I think it helps flesh out new ideas and angles on things that wouldn't have presented otherwise. Mm. Second, Bill and Doug do a great job of taking strong, well reasoned stances on. Buckeye issues. With that said, holy crap, Tim, please come up with an opposing, interesting viewpoint that isn't just you agreeing with Bill or Doug. Now, here's my rebuttal. I'm not going to come up with a counter-argument for the sake of a counter-argument. That's what we have the gong for. By the way, I downloaded a gong app. I think it's app. okay to be a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. I know. For real? On this. But yeah. I cons- no! But I consider myself responsible, so... I- like, I don't want to be, like, one of those guys who just completely flies off the rails just to generate controversy. That's not me. No, that's me. No, that's Bill. No. No, but you do you ever say anything on this podcast that you don't think? No. Do you ever say anything on this podcast you don't think? No. Never! And and just and just because like you guys have strong viewpoints, I'm not going to stray away if I don't agree with them. Because in a lot of ways, I think we think on the same page, and I think that's a good thing, especially when it comes to writing. Because then we kind of have the same message we're throwing out there. I yeah, think we hate each other more. Yeah, no, no, no. I think the the key is for the hate to be natural. That's true. You can't force it. No, no. Just let it grow organically, um, which is why we should go on vacation together. Oh, yeah. By the the way, I didn't mention this. I know we've talked about the gong a couple times, the Buckeye Talk gong. I downloaded an app before we started just called Gong Sounds. All right. Run through some gong sounds. All right. Let's start with this one. How funny would that have been, like, if it wasn't actually gongs, but, like, play, like, really inappropriate, like, (laughs) background noise from porn movies? That's number two. That's good. It's called Gong Sounds. It's just an iPhone app. If you if you, if Evan Ivel doesn't if Evan Ivel doesn't sound, send us a gong, just download that and just use it whenever. But you're the person who made that a billionaire. Seriously, we. I also went. To, I went to like we drove around Silicon Valley and like went to the new uh, like Apple campus and stuff. Oh, nice. And there's some. I probably drove by some guy's house who's yeah. in some mansion for his <laughs> gong app. How come you can't think of a gong app? 
just not, I'm not good yeah. enough. I mean, Sorry. we used it, we did it once and ended up being, I think, one of my favorite little segments of the show, of the podcast this off season. Oh, we'll gong again. You will be gonged again. Yeah, Don't although worry about that. I want to make a correction. I believe the quarterback in 2009 for Iowa was James Vandenberg, not Matt Vandenberg. God. Mm. Now we have to go back and edit that podcast <clears throat> and fix it. Yeah. I also note, have to make another correction before I go on. I mentioned the reveal event of the 2009 alternate uniforms. Someone correct me on Twitter. It's actually Raymond Harris and not Eddie George. I don't know why I thought it was Eddie George, but it was Raymond mm. Harris who modeled the uniform. I saw that. I would have known it was Raymond Harris. That I, guy sent us an email too. Okay. Angry? Same, same okay. subject line. Uh, but did he add something about uh, Doug and I's take on Ohio food? I was about to get to that, but you can talk about that. Oh, it's just a copy. It's just straight yeah, copy. Yeah, he copied and pasted, and pasted oh. into the email. So yeah. this is about you guys. So if you want to pick it up from here, go right ahead. He says, Bill and Doug need to get off their high horse about Ohio food. You sound like children t- talking about how they hate something they have never tried. For example, Skyline Chili. Oh. Then you routinely crap on Donato's because they can't get around the way it is cut. That's not true. It just tastes like trash. I've been on a New York pizza tour, and the tour guide says he has Donato shipped out to him because he loves it so much. Well, that's a terrible New York pizza guide. Yeah. Uh, it's not about – for me, it used to be about how it's cut because I just got here, and you're like, why is all the pizza square cut? Yeah. I don't really care about that now. I care more about the taste, and I just don't – like, pizza on a cracker is not good to me. Yeah. Well, the part of – but, the, again, the, the whole point of the square cut is that you're not getting crust. Yeah. And, and crust is an important part of the pizza. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not like the square cut is incidental. It's, core, it's sort of a foundational principle of if you're cutting it in a, in a square, you're acknowledging that you don't view an important part of the pizza as important. Yeah, and someone told me uh, the other day, maybe you guys knew this, that if you order a pizza from Donato's, you can ask for it pie cut and they cut it in triangles, but it still doesn't have the crust on the end. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for. It's a food handle. Yes. It's a food handle. And I'll uh, <coughs> go to my grave saying that Skyline's gross without ever trying it. Well, that's what, that's an opinion I think we all share. That's And you're from Ohio. Um, okay, let's get to the schedule breakdown. We've been doing this. We've been doing it for several years. It's math. It's the mathiest thing we do. We give a percent chance for Ohio State to win every single game. And then this is what we do. And it's math. If we say that Ohio State, and usually we rephrase it the other way. Like, what did we say Tulane has, what's Tulane's percent chance to win? Was that like? 1%. 1%. So then in the math, Ohio State has a 99% chance to win. So you do like 0.99. And then like, what did we say? Like TCU. Uh, uh, 59% chance Ohio State has of winning. So you'd take 0.99 times 0.59 and you get a number. And that's the percent chance that Ohio State has to win both the Tulane and TCU games. And you do that 12 times throughout the schedule with every single thing we do. And at the end, we come up with the final percent chance for Ohio State to be undefeated. So we come up with – it's not actual math because we kind of get the answer first and then backload the equation. But we're trying to tell you – how good we think Ohio State's going to be by their overall percentage to go undefeated, and then it informs us about the rest of the schedule. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's what we do. We came up with the final percentage. What's the final percentage, Bill? Uh, 5.8%. 5.8% chance to go undefeated. And 
they went undefeated in the regular. This is the twelve and zero regular season. This is twelve game regular season we're talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. They were undefeated in Urban Meyer's first two seasons in the regular season. Right. They went twelve and zero in two thousand twelve. They were twelve and zero going into the Big Ten championship game in two thousand thirteen. They have not been undefeated since then. They have not. So we have come up with these equations every year. 14, they didn't do it. 15, 16, 17. Last four years, not undefeated during the regular season. What do we think overall? How how good do we feel about this roughly 5% number this year? Uh, when I was writing like the final, <laughs> the final calculation that went up on Thursday morning, um, I was feeling like maybe it should have been a little higher. Um. And that, that there's just like some middle of the road games that I think maybe we're giving the opponent a little too much credit. And by too much credit, I mean like giving Purdue a 10% chance to beat Ohio State feels a little high, even though that's at Purdue and weird things have happened there. Maryland's at 12, and the reason it's 12 is because of where it falls in the schedule mostly. It's between Michigan State and Michigan. It's the second of back-to-back road games. Indiana's high. It's an, 8, an 8% chance to win. Like all those I feel like could have been knocked down a percentage point or two, which would have upped the overall percentage of going undefeated a little bit. But the goal was to get it between what we thought in 2016 and what we thought in 2017. And what we thought in 2016 was they had a 3.2% chance, and that was when they were playing at Oklahoma, uh, a good Michigan team, Michigan State, and at Wisconsin. And Michigan State ended up stinking that year, but we didn't know that at the time. Um, We had said 3.2% that year. Then last year we said 10%, which was at home against Oklahoma. Um, Penn State, after having beaten Ohio State the previous year, um, and we wanted to be like a little between that. And we, we accomplished that, but I thought maybe in the end it could have been closer to 10 than the 3.2. To me, this is a pretty fair number, and I think it's more just about the schedule Ohio State has than the, than the talent Ohio State. Because we all think Ohio State, we all said months ago Ohio State's going to win the national championship. And this is a pretty insane schedule. We talked about the Big Ten East being the toughest division in college football. It's actually not, though. Like, Strength of schedule-wise, it's number 41 in the country by ESPN. And for comparison's sakes, Michigan's is five. It's not that difficult of a schedule. Why is who's, – who's Michigan's non-conference? Notre Dame? At Notre Dame. Um, and then – but here's – the one other thing is like Michigan's strength of schedule is helped by playing Ohio State. Yep. And Ohio State doesn't play Ohio State. Yeah, but it's – so, I mean, it's not like it's, – it's five and 41. It's not five and – Yeah. Does, but Michigan plays Wisconsin. As we said earlier, uh-huh. right? Ohio State doesn't play Wisconsin. Yeah, I think Mich- Michigan plays Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Nebraska out of the West. Yeah, which might be the three best teams. At three least, at least two of the three best. Yeah, yeah. I do think, to Tim's point, I do think their four hardest games are four pretty competitive, tough games. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, but then, so the three best teams in the East and, and plus TCU. Mm-hmm. Those are four – I think you could put those four games up, stack them up against the four toughest games that anyone plays, and it probably is comparable. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. No, when I say, and when I say insane schedule, I know everybody in college football has cupcakes on their schedule. Anybody that doesn't is crazy when you're a Power 5 program. You have to have cupcakes on the schedule unless you're in Oregon State or Rutgers when essentially you are the cupcake. Yeah. Ooh. You are the cupcake. That would be a good book, like a book title or something. Yeah. Like, it, that's a demotivation. You are the cupcake. The story of Chris Ash's hiring and firing. <laughs> do, you, do you guys, have you guys ever heard of demotivational posters? No. No. Like, it's, I forget, like, my my dad used to have one or two of these on his desk at our house. Um, it's like the opposite of motivational posters, where you would have a picture, a word, and like a phrase under it. 
So I just thought of, and like demotivation is the opposite where you have, a, where it looks like a motivational poster. Like I think one is like of a bear eating a fish and the cap and the word is journey. And like the caption is something like sometimes the journey of a thousand miles ends very, very poorly. Oh, is it like so people have that poster that says like the cat hanging the thing is like hanging in there. Is it just like the cat hanging the thing? It just says you're worthless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prepare to die. Yeah. Maybe. So I'm thinking of like make, make it a bakery shop and call it, say aspirations. Say everybody, nobody wants to be the cupcake, but someone has to be. Yeah. I feel like you are the cupcake is practically a Rutgers Twitter <laughs> hashtag. Um, what if we, and we'll give a shout out. To to the folks at Eleven Warriors who do a very cool schedule poster each week of the Ohio State football season. Yeah, it's really good. But it's always about like Ohio. It's about Ohio State and the opponent, but it's usually Ohio State themed. Like it has mm-hmm. like a nut in it, right? Yeah, like I think Bruce is always in it. Yeah. What if we did the demotivational posters <laughs> each week, and it was just like Oregon State, and it was like, uh, and it was what are they? The Beavers? Are they yeah, a Beaver? The beavers. And it was just. Uh, it was just, I don't know, it was just like a beaver being murdered or whatever. Yeah. And it was just like, but it wasn't really about Ohio State at all. It was like slightly about Ohio State, but yeah. it was mostly about the opponent. And it was just like, hey, beaver, you're going to be murdered. And that was like, and then like the, it was like, you are the cupcake. Let's see if we can come up. We'll come up with 12 demotivational posters for the Ohio State opponents I actually each fa- week. I actually found the site. It's called despair.com, and it's still running. You can still buy these. Like, one of these is Be the Bridge, and it's got a picture of a bridge. I'm showing these guys, and the caption is, that way we can walk all over you on our way to better places. Oh, oh God. I like that. Let's see if we can get them as a sponsor. Despair.com. Um, Be careful Googling beavers, by the way. <laughs> Which also could be a poster. Be careful. Close that window. <laughs> be careful. Yeah. From next week, one of our big announcements is we have a sponsor and Landis has been fired for Googling beavers. No, that could be the poster. Oregon State. The team that pe- the team Oregon nickname State, that be careful Google. Yeah, beavers. the team name you probably shouldn't Google. Alright, who's gonna who's gonna make that poster? Tim, you make the beaver poster. Um If I had enough time during the season, I might. What are we talking about? For our own private. We talked about cu- like schedules and the theory of cupcakes, and we got off the rails. I'll, I'll bring us back on. The theory, I feel like theory that's, of cupcakes is a third Everyone, so, someone, someone, uh, someone, there was a, DeLillo, I think, made a comment last week. He likes the intimate, the intimate uh, feel of the Bill and uh, Tim podcast. Uh, that wasn't all me getting us off topic about Googling beavers. That no, was you. I also, you two. No, I brought up, I brought up the cupcake thought. Cupcake theory, but yeah. my point was, I mean, <laughs> was there a point? Yeah, my point was, editor. If you if you judge the schedule, you have to judge it by its best games in addition to its worst games. I mean, that was the <coughs> SEC theory. Like the SEC scheduled such terrible non conference teams, but there's everybody considered their skills were great because their conference schedule was just them beating up on each other. Everywhere. Yeah, no, I do think there's. I, it does bother me to some extent. People are always very. Um, Get very wound up about like non-conference schedules versus conference schedules, and it's 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 a twelve-game schedule. Like you're, it's who you're playing, and whether they're in your conference or out of your conference, it's just how good the teams are each week. But there are two parts to a schedule. I think the one is you, the, how many peak games are there, how many games are there over the course of the schedule where they're legitimately kind of coin flips that the two two teams are of equal talent, and then the other question is. What is the depth of the schedule 
the the wearing down factor, which I think is where the Big Ten always fell short over the years, and where I think the Big Ten is, in addition to obviously rising with the peak games, to your point, Bill, about maybe we went a little high on the Purdue's and the Maryland's and the Indiana's and those kind of things. But I think the part of the point of that is, as we saw with Iowa last year, there's just some some of those middle games are tougher than they used to be. Well, that's what yeah I wrote that when I wrote the when I wrote the story. I said like may, maybe some of these are a little high, but when I was making them and putting them together, um, I like couldn't get the Iowa game out of my mind because I, I think before last year, our general thought was that that kind of game probably wasn't out there. Like it just had never happened. They had lost, but not like that to a team like that. Right. And now that it's happened, I think it just it leaves the door open for it happening again. So all, all those teams that maybe you otherwise wouldn't consider a threat at all got a little bit of a bump. Yeah. And to be fair, I did mention that last year's a potential trap game, but I did not think gigantic blowout trap game. I thought maybe Iowa would get them at the end, but Yeah. And it is it, it's it's the idea of <clears throat> Ohio State is better than those teams, but if Ohio State doesn't play its best and those teams do play its best, are they capable of winning? Because have we seen a million times, we've talked about a million times, sometimes Ohio State can stink and another team can play its best and it's still not enough. Yep. It's enough for the game to be closer than you expected. It's enough for that other team to cover, but it's not enough for that other team to win. But last year, that Iowa played the best it could play. On both sides of the ball. They had an NFL-caliber cornerback who played his best game in a tremendous season. And then they had a tremendous offensive game plan and a quarterback who executed. And they capitalized on some Ohio State defensive weaknesses. But Iowa did everything right all game. And JT Barrett opened the game by giving points away. And it was enough. So Iowa was good enough in that circumstance to, to make that pay off. That's the question. And I think... Our point is, Purdue's competitive enough. We believe Maryland, with the real quarterback situation, is competitive enough that in those scenarios, if Ohio State plays a bad game and those teams play their best, they actually could win, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Which I think is not a – I don't think that's a foolhardy opinion. No, I I, I guess it's not. (laughs) Because even when we say 10%, it's like – well, a one in ten chance. If a one in ten chance of winning, that's not very high, but that's ten percent. Yeah, they don't have a one in the other game. Tulane, we say they have a one in one hundred chance of winning. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like Tulane, no matter what Tulane does, they can't beat Ohio State. Ohio State could play its third team and beat Tulane. No offense to Tulane. No, go ahead. Be and offended. also Oregon State. Be offended. Don't. Offend Ryan Gins, soon-to-be law school alma mater like that. Oh, I have a thing I want to talk about, too. But that's the point, right? So I think the top has risen in the Big Ten, but also (laughs) the middle has risen. That there aren't – like, for instance, what did we give the Rutgers percentage? We gave it, I believe – 2.1. Yes, 2.1. And I am on record as saying Rutgers will never beat Ohio State again. I don't know what the world would be – for Rutgers to even rise to a 10%. I mean, it's recruiting. Recruiting, get a quarterback. There's kids in New Jersey, but they haven't done it yet. They haven't recruited to the level that Maryland recruited with DJ Jerkin. So anyway, what are the four What are the four toughest games? How did we rank them? Because everybody knows that Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, TCU are the four marquee games. What were the four percentages? Uh, Penn State was number one uh, with a 53% chance to beat Ohio State. 
Michigan was number two with a 43% chance to win. TCU was third with a 41% chance to win. And Michigan State was fourth with a 39% chance to win. I got distracted by a very exciting thing. Can you say it again? And then I'm going to break in with a super exciting thing. Penn State, number one, 53% chance to win. Michigan, number two, 43% chance to win. TCU, number three. 41% 41% chance to win, and Michigan State number four, 39% chance to win. So we think Ohio State has a, has a less than 50-50 chance to win on the road at Penn State. Yeah, and not mostly because of this, but the reason I think it's over 50% is because when the game is. Early in the season with some new guys having to go play in that stadium. Okay. Okay. Maybe if it was, if it was later, traditionally it's like around Halloween, and this year it's September 29th. Maybe if it was Halloween, it would be like 51-49 in favor of Ohio State. Instead of 53-47 in favor of Penn State. Okay. I got an email from the sponsor. Ooh. Ooh. So we're probably going to go back and redo the beginning. So now (laughs) this won't make sense. But we're going to break in now. Right? Yeah. We we were going to start this week. We weren't 100% sure. We're starting. I'm so excited. Tim, do you have an, an app that plays something Play other a than a gong? Give me one minute. I didn't. This is historic. This is historic Buckeye Talk stuff we're talking about here. All right. <coughs> More gongs. Play them repeatedly. Play gongs repeatedly. <laughs> Repeated gongs for the first time in the history of... Buckeye Talk. We have a sponsor, and we could not be more grateful, and we want to produce for this sponsor. So we want to tell you, our loyal Buckeye Talk listeners, that if you like us, if you care about us, it helps us for you to care about our sponsors. And here's the other thing. We're not just picking up random sponsors that we don't believe in. These are legit, real businesses that you can have faith in because we have faith in them. And this is it. In the redone beginning of the podcast that you've already heard, we mentioned these people. But now we're going to say it again. It's the Barnes & Noble Ohio State University Bookstore. All right? This is the place for you to get your Ohio State stuff. Now, you can get it two ways, right? You can go down there if you're in the Columbus area. If you're anywhere in Ohio, it's right there on High Street on the south edge of campus. It's a beautiful building, big glass windows at the front. It makes you feel good to go in the building. It, like, welcomes you to Ohio State. Right, that Ohio State's right there, and you think, I'm here at Ohio State. How can I keep this feeling? I can go to the Barnes and Noble Ohio State University bookstore and get something to help me remember this experience. It's at 1598 North High Street. That's on the corner of 15th and High in the Gateway. Right? Do we? All, everybody knows where that 11th is, right? Yes, 11th and High. 1598 North High Street. It says 15th and High. Oh, okay. 11th and High. You know where it is. You can't miss it. Okay? You can't 
miss it. It's a giant place. So here's the thing. It's Barnes and Noble. It's a Barnes and Noble. So it's a national chain, but it's like the local bookstore. It's got all your local Ohio State stuff. So it's the best of both worlds. You got the backing of the national chain, but you got the local feel. So you get the best of both worlds. It's open seven days a week until 9 p.m. There's a parking garage right there. So sometimes it's hard to park at Ohio State. We've experienced that, right? There's a parking garage. Makes it easy. But here's the other thing. If you don't live in Columbus or you're not going to be in Columbus, if you're going to be in Columbus, make the bookstore part of your stop in Columbus. If you're coming to a game this fall, stop at the bookstore, okay? The Barnes & Noble Ohio State University bookstore. Or write this down www.shopohiostate.com. How easy is that web address? Shopohiostate.com. Shopohiostate.com, okay? That's how you get there, and you get all their stuff. And you can trust them. They've got great stuff there. Here's the other thing. You can find them on Facebook or Instagram. Also, I think we're going to – we'll start our, our own Instagram up again this season. I think we should do that. Yep. You can find them. It's the Ohio State Bookstore. Look for Ohio State Bookstore on Facebook or Instagram. Or do you want a coupon? Who likes coupons? Everybody likes coupons, Loves right? Mm-hmm. They have an app. Download the app, appbnc.com. Appbnc.com, and you get a 25% coupon instantly. It's the largest Ohio State Nike shop anywhere. There's going to be new fall styles arriving daily, right? We said summer's kind of over. Big Ten meetings are starting. They're going to have all the new fall styles, all the new stuff for football season. You want to go to the Ohio State University Bookstore, the Barnes & Noble shop. Again, it's shopohiostate.com. They have Ohio State apparel and gifts for everybody in the family. And here's the thing. In-store only, they have new, fresh markdowns on a great big selection of shoes, T-shirts, caps. So they're clearing out some stuff, and they're getting in new stuff. So if you go to the store, up to 75% off some stuff. And then new stuff coming in online and at the store. So they have all this Nike stuff. They have stuff from Top of the World, from Cutter and Buck, from some hard-to-find brands like Vineyard Vines, Game Day Couture, Alta Garcia, and Peter Millar. I don't even know what some of those are. They sound fancy, though. Don't they sound fancy? Very fancy. Mm -hmm. So listen, these are good people. They believed in Buckeye Talk. We've been doing this for a while. We want Buckeye Talk to improve. We want to stick around for you guys. It helps us for you to help our sponsors. So go to shopohiostate.com. Stop by the Barnes & Noble Ohio State University Bookstore at 1598 North High Street. Go to these folks. These folks believe in Buckeye Talk. We believe in them. We believe in you. You believe in us. So you should believe in them. Does that make sense? Yeah. God, how good. We have an ad. Get the gong out again. Get the gong out again. Yeah, it took a long time to get this. We were very like uh, very appreciative of That's the gong. We're gonging for you. Yeah. For shopohiostate.com. Yeah. That's gonging for shopohiostate.com. Thanks to our friend Kathy. 
Great stuff. Great merchandise. I saw Tim was just looking at sh- – how easy was it to get to shopohiostate.com? Super easy. Super it easy. It you right there. takes you right there. Tim, did they have like maybe one thing for sale? Um, they got a lot of stuff. More. More than one. Multiple things. Many, many things. ShopOhioState.com or the Barnes & Noble Ohio State University Bookstore, 1598 North High Street. Thanks to them. Thanks to our loyal Buckeye Talk listeners who made this possible. Now we'll move on. A little more gong. A little more gong. We can't have too many gongs for this momentous occasion. Gong it. How good does that gong feel? All right. Top 50. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You guys made me angry last week. Oh, no, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah good, yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. See, people like yeah. the anger. See, yeah. listen. Natural hatred. Room on vacation. Natural hatred. Oh, were you listening? Were you driving? On the way back from Georgia, yeah. I'm uh, getting mad? I was getting very mad. Oh! Like, Leah, Leah yeah. told me to turn it off. This is the part where I, I love it. This is the part where I should be sitting back with I should have brought a thing of popcorn to just eat while you guys are talking. No, 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 no. no you don't you don't get to eat. You don't get to eat. We're all in this together. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start with your anger and then we'll get in. We you got so Tim and I, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. reviewed fifty through twenty. It's the top fifty buckeyes, the list that you two put together. I was I did not take part Error in number it. one. What's that? I said error number one. What's that? I put it together. Oh, oh, oh! Just Bill put it together. Yeah. Oh, I I, I was yelling at Tim about Bill's list. I I had his couple recommendations. He had one recommendation. Well, okay. I approved it because I agreed with pretty much the whole thing. So we did a whole podcast with me yelling about Tim about Bill's picks, and then you listened to it. That's meta. Yeah. That is meta. Yeah. Me yelling at Tim about your and picks. I defended his picks. Too. I defended the picks. Oh, let's go. Okay. Yeah, so there's now, layers to it. Now we'll get <laughs> we'll get into the top twenty. Also, we're gonna te- we're gonna give you guys, the listeners, the final top five before they appear online. They're gonna all be up by Monday. We're, Monday's number one, right? Yep. Yes. So we're gonna finish it through the week at weekend. Monday number one will be up. What made you most angry, Bill? What what state were you in? Uh, what state was I in? North Carolina, probably. North Carolina. Bill thinks I got a long drive. Just left the beach. I'm relaxed. I'm feeling good. Let me pop on Buckeye Talk, see what my compadres (laughs) talked about while I'm gone. So angry, the lovely Leah had to tell you to turn it off. And then she fell asleep. And then she (laughs) fell asleep. And then you stewed. You stewed in 4th of July traffic. Yeah. The traffic had a hand in it, too. All right. I want to hear this. Uh, So it it was mostly, well, part of it was that. That you said it was a list that Tim and I put together when that's not true. It's a list that I put together. Okay. And I sent it to Tim and Tim says, you should change just one thing so that he could say what he just said even though it's a lie. Okay. Um, <laughs> I put the list together. <laughs> and then I put the list together and then you guys just shredded it. And I wasn't there to defend myself. And also, this isn't wasn't meant to be Bill's top 50 list. It was meant to be a collaborative effort. And I sent you guys a list. I got nothing back. Yeah, and then after the fact, you tell me how wrong it is. Uh, no, that, but that, but it's, now, it does it, is that not how I operate, though? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. my M.O. So, not, in my defense, I'm an a-hole, but <laughs> there's no surprise about that. Yeah, no, okay. it wasn't surprising, but it was just, Typical. Yeah. Typical Doug. And then Tim, and I don't remember specific examples, but <laughs> Tim says he defended me, but, like, his reasoning for why guys are ranked there is not why I ranked them there. Yeah. Um, I'm try- I was trying to get inside your head. Don't try that. <laughs> 
So as it turned out, we should have called you. I mean, I... No, because I was on vacation. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right, right. Yeah, we gotta let the man have but, his vacation. Okay, so so I understand. So there's some of the anger is with the process of yes. you did the work. <laughs> it is. This is like how this is how like the actual internet works, right? It's like you're a real journalist. You put work into something, <laughs> then some yahoo just looks at your hard work and is like, well, "This is wrong." Except the yahoos were your coworkers, right? Okay, so the the general process of how it went down made you angry. Fair, valid. I'm here to tell you that your feelings are, <laughs> are valid. Thanks. What is there was in the discussion of the players? Was there something? Because who was the guy? There was someone in particular that I thought was too low. Uh, Sean Wade. Sean Wade. Yeah, and like I, honestly, listening to you, I I mostly agreed with you, and certainly saw saw your point. My hesitation with ranking Sean Wade high, and you, you, I think you're. We had Marcus Williamson. I had Marcus Williamson number thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah, and Sean Wade is number forty-two. And it seemed to me like you were saying like Sean Wade should have been up higher in the thirties. Yeah, and I think it's certainly possible that by the end of the year he's a guy who's like in the twenties. Yeah, but I try to temper projection that much. We've never seen him play. Yeah. So you thought so Marcus Williamson is someone who got in the game on special teams yeah. and played a little bit last year. And I thought in the spring game, and it's just the spring game, so I don't want to give it too much weight, but I thought that Marcus Marcus Williamson and Sean Wade to me in the spring game looked kind of similar. Okay. So that's why William and Williamson had played and Wade hadn't, so that's why there was the gap between them and why Wade was so low. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, trying to think of other examples. Uh Tate Martell at number thirty five. You asked Tim, was this a was this a ranking of a guy who we think is going to be part of the offense or a guy who's not going to be part of the offense? And Tim's answer was the wrong one. Okay. What, did, what did Tim say? That he thinks Tate Martell is going to have a role, and that's if I thought that, I would have ranked him higher. Okay. Um, 35 is around where we've ranked the backup quarterback every year we've done this. And if I thought Tate Martell – like, if, if we would have done this before Joe Burrow left, I would have ranked Tate Martell, I don't know, maybe – back into the 20s or at least the higher end of the 30s because I think he would have had a legitimate role, and I just don't think he will. I think he'll play. He'll play as much as a backup quarterback normally plays and maybe a little more than that, but not to the point where I was going to rank him any higher where I had him at 35, which is a typical spot in the history of doing this for the number two quarterback. Because it is. It's funny. It's like it's 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 counterintuitive, except it also makes sense that actually by Tate Martell moving up the quarterback depth chart, he actually probably has a reduced role in Ohio State's plans this year. Yeah, yeah. Because the number three quarterback you can monkey around with. Right. Number two quarterback you can't. Yeah, now the number three quarterback is a true freshman coming off a significant knee injury. So you can't risk Tate Martell, the number two quarterback, getting cut in half by a safety making a tackle on him on a while he's playing receiver. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, I like the idea that Buckeye Talk inspires intense reaction. <laughs> Even if it's the uh, the uh, vacation ruining anger of one of the members of Buckeye Talk, I, I I enjoyed my vacation. It was fine. I hope it didn't inspire road rage because as someone who admittedly has is an angry driver, sometimes it's not it's not fun to be an angry driver. I'm an angry driver all the time. I'm an angry driver all the time yeah. too. Yeah. So that, that was I didn't I, there wasn't uh, enough room for me to be road ragey because it was a parking lot the whole way home. So. Oh yeah. 
It was fine. You didn't ram the guy in front. Yeah. Okay. You weren't going fast enough to... to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, within the top 50, what do we want to talk about? Well, should we just run through from 19 up? Yeah, I guess so, if you want to do it quickly. Just do it quickly yeah. and just talk about... You have the list. Yeah, and, and by talk about, let's just say, I'll criticize... Uh, let me. Let's just make this call. But at least I'm here to defend. Doug it now. criticizes Bill's list that Bill put a lot of work into. That Bill asked Tim and Doug for their opinions and help with. That Doug and Tim did nothing with, and that Doug and Tim then criticized Bill's work behind his back. But now we're doing to your face. I will say I don't. I don't have any issue with uh, being criticized or being wrong. I just like the opportunity to defend myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think we did say to be fair. Yeah, you did. At yeah. the start of the thing, we said, Bill's not here. Let's rip him while he's not here. <laughs> right? Yeah, that in, was pre- the idea. in preparation for our combined return. Yeah. That's funny. So, so I just saw something funny on, on Twitter because uh, the Indians just made a trade and they traded Francisco Mejia. And I follow like a trends map thing for Columbus and it tells you which terms are, tra- are trending in your city at the moment. And the two words that are trending at the moment are Mejia and interpreter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good trade, by the way. Go for it, Indians. Okay. So we'll start numbers 19 and 18. We'll put them together because obviously, as I wrote about, I did most of these profiles of Bill uh, out of town. Uh, 19, Brandon Bowen. 18, Demetrius Knox. We had Knox one spot ahead of Bowen. So Yeah, so that is – let me count real quick. One, two. Those are the – Fourth and fifth offensive lineman. Fourth and fifth offensive lineman, which I think raises an interesting discussion. And I have an offensive line hot take. Not a hot take. Is a prediction a hot take? No. No, I don't like the I don't like the phrase hot take. Yeah, I don't really like it either because it's 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 too widely applied to things that aren't hot takes, actually. Yeah. Um But that so Brandon Bowen and Demetrius Knox are nineteen and eighteen, and those are our fifth fourth and fifth offensive linemen. Um my offensive line prediction is that Michael Jordan will be starting center and that the five guys we have ranked as a top five offensive lineman will be the five starters and they'll just figure it out. And then that you think Michael Jordan is going to be the starting center this year and Bowen will be the guards. I think they're five best offensive linemen or Michael. Wait, 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 wait. Is this, when did you come to this decision? When you made the list? No. I, well, I've always thought these were the five best, Are, but I wasn't totally sure if they would adhere. Because Ed Warner said all the time, like, you find the best five and you figure it out. Is this a fanciful Bill Landis, uh, what Bill Landis would do? Or do you have any reason to possibly think that this might be what they're going to do? No, this is, this is just fanciful. Like, I don't have any inside information. Just like we've made K.J. Hill an outside receiver. Right. So, yeah, yeah, very similar. I think it's just the... Those are the five best, and I think they are the five best, and the five best should play. And you think of obviously Prince and Munford aren't going to play center. Right. You think the best candidate to play center of the three is Jordan, the guy who's played the longest. Um, I don't know if he's the smartest or not. I don't know. I have any way to gauge that, but yeah. <laughs> most experienced, most for sure. experienced, and like has the sort of like I want this on me kind of attitude. Is he too tall to be a center? I thought about that. Um, Six Greg, seven. Greg Stoudrawa had a six foot seven center at LSU. Ethan Posick. Yeah. Who I think might have been a first round pick. Was he a first round pick? So I think like in general it is, but it's been done before. 
So, uh, no, I don't think... Like, I thought he was too tall to play guard. And I, I think... I had a conversation with Billy Price about it. I said, like, is, like, is it possible to be, t- be too tall to play guard? And he said, yeah, but, like, only if you can't figure out how to play lower. So I, I think if, if you're if you're tall and, like... Like, obviously, Isaiah Prince is, like, 6'8", pushing 6'9". He can only get so low. So he couldn't play... Like, you can't play center if you're that tall. But I think 6'7", is, like, right on the threshold of being too tall. And I think you can do it if you're that tall. Ethan Posick was a second round pick, number fifty eight overall, six foot seven center out of LSU. Does, is he a center in the NFL? No, he's a guard. Wow, that's an interesting. I had not thought of that, but that makes sense. I mean, no offense to Brady Taylor, but I don't know that anybody would dispute that they're five best offensive linemen are the five guys you said, and that Brady Taylor is probably sixth. Yeah, that's not or maybe a, seventh, depending on how well along Josh Myers is coming. That's not an affront to Brady Taylor. That's just an acknowledgement of their depth at guard. Depth that was necessitated by Bowen's injury, but Knox mm-hmm. played well. Brady Taylor's never started. Jordan, Knox, and Bowen have all started. Yeah, and all, I, I thought all played well last year. Brandon Bowen was good before he got hurt, and I thought Knox filled in really well for him. Then it was interesting that Bowen won the job in part because Knox didn't. Knox was in position to win it and didn't. Yeah. But then when Knox was forced into the job, Knox played well. Mm-hmm. Knox took advantage of that opportunity after not winning the job and I think proved to be reliable. That's very interesting. Are you going to ask about that at one of our earliest opportunities to ask people about yeah, that? Yeah, I'm going to ask Urban about it. Because I don't even – I think if you said – like, if I said to Urban, like, these are your best five offensive linemen, I think he would agree. How could he not? Right. So then do you mix and match those five, or do you force Brady Taylor in because you don't trust one of those best five to play center? Right. And if that's the answer, I think it's a fine answer. I just think it's an interesting conversation. Okay. I'll buy that conversation. I'm looking forward to it. See, to your face, I'm nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'll rep you soon. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> What's the rest of the list, Tim? All right. Stop me at any point on this list. Yeah, we don't have to do every person. All right. Just... Number 17, Baron Browning. 16, B.B. Landers. 15, Thayer Munford. 14, number 14, K.J. Hill. Oh, yeah. Jeff Okuda, number 13. Kendall Sheffield, number 12. And Mike Weber, the last house at the top 10 and number 11. Mike Weber, uh, I got some decent feedback from people, like in the post and the comments on Cleveland.com, who thought Weber should have been higher. Really? Like, people, some people thought, a lot of people thought he should have been top 10, and, like, someone suggested he should have been number 6. And others suggested that he should be ahead of J.K. Dobbins. I strongly disagree with that, but... Um, yeah, a lot of Mike Weber love. Like, at least above all the receivers, I think people think he should have been ranked. Or not not everyone. I don't want to make generalize, but the people that I was interacting with, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think Weber at 11, at, at 11 is good. Uh, who is the one? Somebody who... Okuda and Sheffield, I thought, made sense there. 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Sheffield yeah. first, Okuda behind, right behind. I them. think Hill's good at 14. Browning is very hard to place. Because yeah. I think, again... Um, like if Browning starts and is what we think he might be, he might be top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Tough Borland comes back healthy at some point, and when he does, they play Borland and Jones and Harrison as the the three. They get the most snaps, and Browning's. We keep saying we think they'll play more than three linebackers, but if Browning gets the fourth most snaps among the linebackers when everybody's healthy, then he's not in the top 20 because he's not a starter, potentially. 
So I think that spot is good for him because you don't know which way it's going to go. My expectation is that he's going to end up being on the field a lot. Yeah. But but there's enough competition at his position to not know for sure. I'm going to throw you guys this little question before we get into the top ten. I've, I've written about when I wrote about the linebackers essentially with – However long Borland's had, you got four linebackers essentially for three starters. Oh, that spots. was another thing. Tough Borland's not on this list because I don't think he's going to play next year. You don't think Tough Borland? What? Wait, 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 wait. I forgot. That was like the, that was like the major thing because you guys were talk, talking about where, where Tough Borland is, and I think Tim might have said like he's lower on the list. Yeah. He's not on the list. Right. Because I don't think he's going to play. You? Whoa, 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 whoa. Which, again, we could have had a conversation about. When I sent you guys the list. We, I feel like, uh, I feel like, yeah, okay. Oh, good. There's going to be Fox broadcasters available at Big Ten Media Days. Our best friend, Joel Klatt. Oh, I enjoyed talking to Gus Johnson last year. Media yeah. Days. It was good. Um, why do you, are you just basing that on that Achilles injuries are tough and yeah. you think that Oftentimes, teams are uh, are a little too uh, playoff an injury is not as serious as it really is sometimes. Like the explanation for Tough Borland's possible return in September was that he's like JT Barrett; he's a tough guy and he gets over things quickly. And it's like I, I that means nothing to me. Right? He has a. We're not we disputing. He is a tough guy. His name is Tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If he wasn't a tough guy, I'd be more concerned. Yeah, but, like, we don't know the exact nature of his Achilles injury, like if it was a tear or whatever, but I'm just going to assume that it is a significant injury to his Achilles, and that injury takes a lot of time to heal, and then even when it heals, it takes a long time to, like, get back into the swing of things. So I think you mentioned before, like, the targeting the Penn State game for a tough Borland return. I'd be pretty shocked if he played in September, and I'm assuming he's not going to play at all. And we have seen some evidence of them... Uh, and it's not, I don't, I mean, it's not lying. It's just sort of being a little evasive with injuries, which we get. I mean, they're college kids and it's whatever. There's no injury policy at this point in college football yet, right? No, that's actually it, a discu- it, an interesting yeah, discussion. They were trying, they're, the Big Ten, I think, I remember I put this in breakfast a couple weeks ago. The Big Ten wants to have a standardized injury report. Gene wants it, right? Gene Smith's a proponent of it, isn't he? I believe so. And yeah. I, I, if I remember right, it had something to do with the new betting laws yeah. that is motivated uh, by betting. And, and Urban, I think, is more upfront than, than a lot of coaches. Some coaches just like won't talk about it at all. Urban will talk about it, he'll tell you when a guy is hurt. Um, I think the only thing that Urban has ever held back on is head injuries. Yeah, and we get it. We, I mean, like it's it's the health of the player matters the most when they are amateur athletes who are not being paid. Um, so we get that. But but every now and then they're just a little and eh, they, they dance around a little bit with injuries, which is part of the game. We understand that. So it's certainly you know Dante Booker. It was sort of hard to get a handle sometimes on. Uh, is he is he ready to be back? Can he not be back? What's you know that the year that he ended up uh, redshirting, and even that he got hurt in the first game, and it was sort of like, yeah. oh, you thought maybe he'd be back in a month or six weeks, and then it extend, extended, and so um, wow, okay, so this is these are some big Bill Landis ideas. No wonder you were mad. If yeah, 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 left to my own devices, I think of crazy things. Apparently, okay. So you just in, – in, in that idea, where would you put Tough – if Tough Borland is back? Even if – say yeah. he's back – say he misses the first six games and he starts the last six. Like he's like the normal starting line. Like knowing yeah. that he was going to miss six games, where would I rank him? 
Or just where would I rank one if he was like normally okay. playing? Okay, if Tough Borland had not got because that's hard to yeah. play. If Tough Borland had not gotten hurt, would he be top ten? Uh, no. Somebody asked me that. I think maybe not top ten, like between ten and fifteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think. He's kind of middle <laughs> linebacker, and like he's there because he puts guys in the right place and makes all the right calls. Like, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had of. Is he like where does he actually rank in terms of skill among the linebackers? If he's a guy you have to take off the field on third down and stuff, but the reason he was there is because he was the only one who could get the defense in order, right? And that matters. And we saw that matter a lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Top ten. Number ten, we got Austin Mack. Number nine, Isaiah Prince. Number eight, Paris Campbell, who will both be at Big Ten Media Days on, on Tuesday when we get to talk to Urban and company. Number seven, Michael Jordan. Number six, Jordan Fuller. And this morning we had Chase Young. Number five. Who was unranked last year? He yeah, last year Chase Young was not ranked, and J.K. Dobbins was number forty six. Yeah, <laughs> but but they but they were true freshmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. What, what are you supposed to do? Who, yeah. who was the top ranked freshman last year? Was it, I believe it was Trayvon Grimes, correct? Yeah, oh, and okay. he was in the mid thirties. It's yeah. fair, which I think would have been accurate had he not left. Yeah, yeah. And if you guys, if you guys. Because this was just when I was coming on the beat. If you guys had seen Chase Young right from fall camp, would you have put him in that top fifty just no. from looking at him? No, they were they had four NFL defensive ends. Yeah, I just I was very big on that. I think you thought more that he would play. I was like, where's he going to play? Yeah, I don't care. I didn't care how good he was. He was fifth on the depth chart. I mean, it's kind of he was third on two different positions, but yeah. it's just like I, I mean, I, are we putting third teamers in the top fifty? There was nowhere for him to play, and he was so good. As a true freshman, they, he made them play him a little bit, so that's how good he was. But uh, but I thought that made just because because it doesn't matter how good you are if you're not on the field that much. And he yeah. was on the field more than I thought. And to our credit, as camp went on, we started buying into the J.K. Dobbins is going to be more and more and more and more than we thought, and more than we thought, and more than we yeah. thought. And oh my gosh, by the by the first game. Last year, we were pretty convinced that J.K. Dobbins was going to be pretty important. Again, not to the degree that, not what happened. I can't remember. Did we know that Weber was hurt before the Indiana game? We knew he was hurt some. I don't think we knew that he, he was going to play zero and J.K. Dobbins yeah. was going to carry the ball 30 times or whatever as a, yeah. in his first game. Um, so I guess I would say I think I understand it, but Prince at nine and Munford in the 20s. No, Mumford's 15. 15, okay. Prince at 9, Mumford 15. I wouldn't put... Well, I guess that's a decent... I guess that's decent. I mean, Prince has started for two years. Mm-hmm. And Mumford hasn't played at all. So I get that. I think I would have Jordan... I would have Jordan ahead of Jordan. I think I would have Michael Jordan ahead of Jordan, Jordan Fuller. I'd buy that. Mm-hmm. And that's just a flip-flop. I mean, I think if we're... we um, Michael Jordan is really important to this team. We think he basically, he's a starting guard that we think could play tackle and you think could play center. Yeah. And I'm not disagreeing with your center rationale. Um, who And who Phil Steele thinks is the third best NFL guard prospect in the nation. I think he could, you could make an argument for him being in the top five. I wouldn't, I'm not putting Michael Jordan ahead of Nick Bosa and guys like that. You put him ahead I, of Chase Young? I think I think there's an argument to be made. I mean, I think there's two, and I wrote this when I wrote, wrote the post about Michael Jordan. And this, I don't know. I think this means a, a decent amount. There are two returning first team All Big Ten players on the roster, voted on by the coaches, and it's Nick Bosa and Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think that matters. Yeah, 
And he's going to be their best offensive lineman, and offensive line matters. And, and um, yeah, I think I think you could put Michael Jordan ahead of Draymond Jones. Well, no, we can't because we haven't gotten the Draymond yet. I think, I think to me, for sure, the only th- – I think the only two people that you absolutely, definitely have to put ahead of Michael Jordan are Nick Bosa and J.K. Dobbins. And then we're going to get to our Dwayne Haskins discussion right now. The Dwayne Haskins discussion is very interesting. It's obviously the most important position, all that stuff. He hasn't been a starter. But I think if you wanted to make an argument that, like, well, Michael Jordan's played two years. He's an all-Big Ten caliber guy who might be all-American. He can play anywhere on the offensive line. He's the best player in that position group. I think he's the third, and again, whatever adjective we're using for this list, he's the third best, third most established, yeah. third most important, whatever. I think you could, I think you could put him as high as three. Yeah, I'm, I'm not just, saying he should be three. I'm saying I think you could put him as high as three. Yeah, I think I would be, I would be hesitant to put him higher than fourth. And we can talk about Haskins, but I think I agree with mostly of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get to this discussion now. So we'll give, we'll give you guys the goods. Nick Bose is going to be number one. Anybody yeah. with half a brain would do that. I don't know that any Ohio State writer or fan would argue that anyone else should be number one on this list. Um, it's your list, Bill. What's the top four going to be? So at the moment, the top four <coughs> is Bosa, Dobbins, Draymond, and Haskins. Um, but I want to change it because we haven't written those posts yet, so it's not finalized yet. I want to change it and have it be Bosa, Haskins, Dobbins, and Jones. So Bosa first, Haskins second, Dobbins third, Jones fourth. Okay, so I'm fine with Haskins being ahead of Draymond Jones. So I would agree with it with the idea that probably Jones should be fourth, and then Bosa's first. So the only discussion really is. Is it Dobbins 2, Haskins 3, or Dobbins 3, Haskins 2? So what in your is it just because of the position that we're talking so much about how important Dwayne Haskins is, that's why he'd be ahead of Dobbins? It's part of it. I think like last year JT was fifth, which I think is fine. Like I don't think a quarterback automatically has to be uh, you know in a conversation for number one or number two. I just think a lot like this is a We've talked about so much, how much the offense is changing, what it can mean for Ohio State and its ability to contend for a national championship, what it means for, like, there's a, what it means for Urban Meyer altering his philosophy. Even if it's not significant, he's altering it at least a little bit. Um, there just seems to be a lot contingent on this particular quarterback. Not necessarily the position in general, but, but Dwayne Haskins specifically and how he's expected to transform the quarterback position in Ohio State's offense. I think warrants a number two ranking. And I guess the question is, so obviously Dobbins has laid down a lot more groundwork than Haskins has. Mm-hmm. Why Why is that not enough to put Dobbins ahead of Haskins on the list when Dobbins... Because Dobbins is a Heisman contender. I mean, Yeah, but I think Dobbins is a Heisman contender only because not enough people know about Dwayne Haskins. So I guess... So how much, how much does the existence of Mike Weber... And how we think that tailback split is going to be influenced, maybe that that if we're saying you think Haskins should be two because Dobbins might not even be a full time starter, that Weber's going to be a co starter there. 
Yeah, that's part of it. Like, and I don't. It's not. <coughs> it's not going to be. It's not going to be fifty-fifty. I, I don't expect that. We've had this conversation in the past. Uh, but even if it's something like eighty twenty Dobbins, and I think it will it won't be that. I think it'll be closer to like sixty five thirty five. Um, that that lessens Dobbins' importance for me just a little bit, at least to the point where I'm comfortable putting Haskins ahead of him with all the things about Haskins before. Because part of it is because as much as Haskins is going to define the offense, we also are under the impression that we think the tailback role in the offense will increase as well because the quarterback's not going to run as much. Mm -hmm. So two things are happening simultaneously, which is both the guys we're talking about like should do more. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because the main thing is they're going to run the quarterback less. So we think we'll see the quarterback throw more and the tailbacks run more. Yeah. Yeah. How many yards do you think J.K. Dobbins is going to rush for? Right now, off the top of your head. 1,600. Tim, uh, this is, and we'll say for a full season. So that's in a 13, 14, or 15 game season. Yeah, 1,600. 1,600, Tim. I swear, you must be a mind reader. I was thinking that exact same number. I'll say like 1,800. It was just over 1,400 last year. So if he rushes for 1,800 yards, like no matter what Haskins does, I mean, like Dobbins is, if he rushes between 16 and 1,800, he's in the mix for like, the second most important guy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a coin flip. I guess if 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 Dobbins and Haskins are what we think they're both going to be, I think it's almost a coin flip for how you would rank them at the end of the year. And at the moment, Dobbins has done more. Yeah. So that might be why I would lean Dobbins at two right now. Um, but it it's your list. No, I, I I don't know. <coughs> I think maybe I was mostly hung up on Haskins being fourth behind Draymond Jones, and I think it's I think we can all agree that he should probably be ahead of Draymond. At least I, I feel very strongly about that. I would agree about that, that. He should be third, and Draymond should be fourth. Um, and I don't know if it's clear cut that, that he should be two and Haskins should be three, or Haskins should be two and Dobbin should be three. It is a. I don't know the answer to the to this question yet. Like, who is the offense going to revolve revolve around? Right. That is a great way to think about that. And I I don't know. I'm inclined to think it'll be Haskins, but that maybe it's very possible that that's putting too much on, on Haskins, and maybe he'll be a little more of a, I don't know, quote-unquote game manager than we expect him to be, and less of the transcendent talent who's going to take college football by storm and throw on everybody. Yeah. It's almost like who you think is more likely to be like the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year and who you yeah. think is more likely to – who's going to finish higher in the Heisman race, Haskins or Dobbins, that's who you put to. So yeah. why don't we leave it – we'll leave it hanging. We'll leave it dangling so people have to read on Sunday. Well, Saturday will be number three. Saturday right? will be three. Yeah, you'll know so Saturday. you'll find out. Yeah, you'll know Saturday. All right. Um, so we're just going to say again, shopohiostate.com. We love them. ShopOhioState.com. The Barnes & Noble Ohio State University Bookstore has all your Ohio State stuff. Go visit them. If you go in the store, tell them you are there because of Buckeye Talk. Say, Buckeye Talk sent me. I'm here to purchase your wonderful Ohio State apparel and paraphernalia. And that will help us. That will help them. Everybody wins. We'll get to your questions starting with a basketball question. I gotta find it. Where'd it go?
Oh, big basketball things happened while I was gone. How huge, big? Huge basketball thing happened when you were gone. Uh, where is it? okay here? Oh, so we got two. Joe, uh, Joe Sura asked, "Any chance we can get a couple minutes on basketball?" He says, "Chris Holtman, Joe Sura started following me like two days ago." Nice. He said, "Holtman is killing it in recruiting." Then he asked, if "We're gonna have a deep tournament run in 2020 and 2021." I have no idea, dude. <laughs> but. Uh, I get the excitement around that because while Doug was uh, fishing for salmon in Alaska, Ohio State got a commitment from five-star point guard in the class of 2019, DJ Carton. He's from Bettendorf, Iowa, lovely town. Stayed there twice. Um, quad cities, right? Yep, it is. Can yeah. you name the four quad cities? It's uh, Bettendorf. <laughs> uh, is it Davenport? Yeah, yeah, that's one. Uh, the place in Illinois where John Deere is. Moline, right? Moline, yeah. yeah. And, and then another, because Davenport and Bettendorf are the yeah. Iowa ones. Yeah. And the Illinois ones are Moline. Moline and... Uh, it's not Rock Island, is it? Is no, it? I think it is Rock Island. It is Rock yeah, Island. Rock Island. Woo! I, did, I just Googled it and I'll look it up, and yeah. that's what Wikipedia says. Nice. He plays for, his AAU team is called Quad City. Um, so anyway, he's a, he's a five-star point guard. He's the number two point guard in the country. He's the number 21 overall player in the class. He's the highest rated... Commitment for Ohio State since D'Angelo Russell in 2014, um, and I don't, I don't think you can overstate how significant it is for Chris Holtman on a couple levels. Uh, one, they needed a point guard; it was a huge position of need for them because they're going to lose C.J. Jackson and Keyshawn Woods after this year, and the only known commodity a point guard on the roster for the following season is Florida State transfer C.J. Walker, who is good. Um, but also lost his lead point guard job to a true freshman at Florida State, which is part of the reason why he transferred. Um, so I think you probably needed to upgrade at that position. And they did it with Carton. Uh, but I think even more important than that is like what it signifies for in terms of Holtman's ability to attract players like that. That's the reason he left Butler. He was very comfortable at Butler. And like if you go back in his career history, like he left Gardner-Webb to take an assistant coaching job at Butler because he wanted the opportunity to recruit and coach better players. And then he left a comfortable job at Butler to come to Ohio State because he wanted the opportunity to recruit and coach better players. Like that's not a dig at Butler. I think we can all agree. Yeah. You can't – probably you can't attract NBA players at Butler, and you can do it at Ohio State. And DJ Carton, I don't think is quite one and done, although he could become that. Nobody thought D'Angelo Russell would be one and done, and then he was. Um, but this, he's on that level. He does he does everything at a very high level right now and has one more year of high school basketball left. Um, he's like six two. He's really tough. He's really bouncy. He's got good handle. He's a great passer. He's got good vision. He can shoot it well enough from distance, and that will have to improve. He can finish above the rim. Um, he's a really solid, like one hundred ninety pound guy who takes like his physical and conditioning and his nutrition and all that very seriously. Has improved as an athlete over the last year. He's one of the fastest risers in the recruiting class. Like he is, he is a complete prospect. And Ohio State. In, in some ways, it felt like kind of stole him a little bit from Michigan and Indiana because he had officially visited those two programs at the end of June and coming out of the official visit to Michigan. Michigan had all the predictions in a 247 sports crystal ball. A lot of people seemed to think it was a done deal. And then he came on his official visit to Ohio State for it wasn't quite two full days. Um, spent most of his time hanging out with the players, believe it or not. Chris Holtman was even out of town for part of it because he was at Peach Jam down in Augusta recruiting some other players. And I think you give Ohio State players a lot of credit because they helped, like, their relationship they were able to foster over those couple of days um, was a large factor in DJ Carter picking Ohio State because it was about whether or not he could mesh with his future teammates. And I think that he felt the, the best bonds with Ohio State's guys, and that's why he picked them. 
And when he comes, they're giving him the team. The team is his, a hundred percent. Which is a nice thing. Not yeah. that, it, I, and I don't know the situation and no, in might, Michigan and Indiana, and, uh, but no, that's I, a selling point. I think that factored into it. Like I, I don't know those rosters in and out. Like Romeo Langford's going to Indiana, but he won't be there when DJ Carnes there because Romeo yeah. Langford's going to be one and done. Um, but I think the best opportunity to to get the ball and get it right away was at Ohio State, and of course that mattered. And it's one of those things. That's what you have to do when you don't have. Their recruiting class, the, the guys who are going to be freshmen this year, it's a good recruiting class, right? Yeah. It's a very good so. recruiting class. I think so. But when you don't have five other NBA players on the roster, you have to sell that to another NBA player to say, when you come, if you come here, you will be the best player. Like, you have to sell that you're not quite as good. Yeah. Which is, and then you get good, and then when you're good, then you sell that you're good. But you have to be able to make that pitch to a guy of this caliber. And obviously they did it successfully because, I mean, if the, if the kid said, all I want to do is go to a Final Four, I don't know of all the schools in the world that he could have picked. I don't know that Ohio State's his best chance to get to a Final Four. Yeah, I don't think so either. But it certainly is a great opportunity for him to play at the highest level and be the guy. Yeah, and like it's it, part of the reason that D'Angelo Russell went from what people thought was a two and done to one and done is because he had so much room to operate. Yep. Because the roster around him was good. Like, like that was a solid team and a team that made the NCAA tournament, but there was the guys on the team weren't so good that they overshadowed the freshman. Right. And then he was not taken number two overall. But you think so that kid's gonna come in and then this current freshman class who will be sophomores when he's a freshman, uh-huh. there's probably no one and done guys in this group, right? No. No, I, I I would be yeah, pretty shocked if that happened. So it's a good solid core that he'll have a bunch of good sophomores around him. Mm-hmm. Not to like he's also in the class with Alonzo Gaffney, who is a, yeah. a, who was a five star at the time he committed, and now is now a high four star. Um, and I think they're in pretty good position to land EJ Liddell, who's another high four star power forward. I think he's the number sixty seven player in the class. Make sure I have that right. But you're talking about a recruiting class that, that is number forty seven player in the class. He's from Illinois. You're talking about a potential 2019 Ohio State recruiting class that has three players ranked in the top 50. Yep. And, like, if you were asking right now, I think they're going to get Liddell. He's officially visiting September 1st and doesn't have official visits set up anywhere else yet. Um, I think they get him and have, you know, uh, the best recruiting class the Ohio State's had since probably well, the Sullinger class. Well, well, but weren't the, the Kata, Russell... And Jayshon Tate were in the same class, and they were all top 50 guys, I think. Was Jay, well, I didn't think Jayshon was. Maybe they were all top 100 guys. Like, Kata and Russell were top 30 guys, for sure. Yeah. But, th- but, but even if that's the level, I mean, that was like Thad's last great, really good productive class. Jayshon was 58. So, oh. same thing. So, it's, yeah. like, it's like, oh, and what did those guys turn into? Well, one of them was a one-and-done who was the second pick in the draft. One of them, when he got healthy, was the Big Ten player of the year and one of them was like a four-year heart and soul of the program who kept this thing from exploding so it's yeah. like oh yeah is that what those three guys could be so, oh yeah that's actually be really good <laughs> like and even and even i like there's a lot dj carton is a lefty guard who's really good and d'angelo russell's a lefty guard who's really good i think they're very comparable I think the like the expectation for Alonzo Gaffney is that he becomes a stretch four in this system the way that Katie Bates the up was, and then EJ Liddell is like a little bit of an undersized power forward. He's not six four, he's mm. six seven. Um, but like is a mean dude and like really tough like it's 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 
almost a carbon copy of that class. Landis got his cheese smirk yeah. <laughs> talking about uh, the comparisons between this 19 recruiting class yeah. and that. Now they got to get class. Liddell and uh, shout out to Dave Bell. Dave Bell was also in that class with uh, Russell and Bates Diop and Jay Shante. Yeah. All right. Do we have other questions about other things? We do. Uh, where are we at? Let's try to shopohiostate.com. Shopohiostate.com. Uh, okay, here's a question from our boy DeLillo, podcast regular. He says, during Joey Bosa's final year, we saw a dip in production. Obviously attributed to being schemed for slash double and triple teamed. Do you expect Nick Bosa to have his biggest year yet, or do you think teams will give him the same kind of treatment? So, Joey Bosa's last year, he had Tyquan Lewis on the other side. And Sam Hubbard played some and had a bunch of sacks for a guy in a part-time role, mm-hmm. right? Um, Tyquan Lewis was a second-round NFL draft pick. Tyquan Lewis went on to be the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. A lot of questions. We, we asked him. People wondered when Tyquan Lewis had that big year opposite Joey Bosa, when he had more sacks than Joey Bosa yep. that year. Was big, yeah, he's the lineman of the year. How, how much of that was just because Joey Bosa was taking up so much Attention, right? And it turned out that Tyquan Lewis was a very, very good player on his own. It wasn't only Joey Bosa, the reason that he was productive. Joey Bosa was better than Tyquan Lewis, but Tyquan Lewis was a good player. Chase Young is better than Tyquan Lewis. That's yeah. not an offensive statement to Tyquan Lewis. Right? I agree with that. That we think, I think... My expectation is that Chase Young this year, Chase Young 2018 will be better than Tyquan Lewis 2015. I agree. Which is the comparison that matters for this question. Yep. So my expectation is that Nick Bosa will have a more productive year than Joey Bosa did because, as we saw a million times, he was triple teamed on that one play. He was double teamed all the time. He still went number three in the draft. It was not that he got worse. It was that teams double-teamed him and ran away from him, schemed away from him. But I think the presence of Chase Young, Nick Bosa is the number one player on this team, and I'm a, I'm, I'm not sure what Tim's Big Ten list is going to be. Nick Bosa is certainly in contention as the number one player in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I can spoil it right now if you want. Go ahead and spoil it. He's number one. He's number one. Nick Bosa is the best player oh. in the Big Ten. Who do you think is better? I was just joking. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure in the end Chase Young's going to be very much behind him. Yeah, and I also, like, you didn't mention Draymond Jones either. Like, Chase Young and Draymond Jones are better than any alignment that Joey Bosa played with in 2015. So my expectation is for Nick Bosa to have a – he's very skilled. He's going to be a a very high draft pick. But I think his production will be better than Joey's was in 15. Yeah, I just – I don't don't think you – and it's not – maybe this is the wrong way to say it, but I don't think you can ignore the other – or – Give Joy, give Nick Bosa so much attention at the expense of ignoring the other guys, and you could afford to give the Joey Bosa in twenty fifteen, right? Yeah, especially as as and that's why Nick Bosa, totally. Nick Bosa was like, uh, when was it? When he was talking, when was it before Draymond Jones was coming back? When was Nick Bosa talking about Draymond Jones being on the field on passing downs? Before, yeah, that was, that was the reason he said that Draymond was coming back, right? Yeah. So that's like uh, Nick Bosa was being excited for his friend and his teammate because I think Nick Bosa knew that Draymond Jones was frustrated by not being on passing downs last year. 
But that's also Nick Bosa being a little bit like, ooh, that's good for me. Yeah. Because Nick Bosa knows when Chase Young and Draymond Jones are on the field, Nick Bosa is going to get free. So I think Nick I think Nick Bosa is going to have a very productive year. We always talk about doing over-unders. A lot of times in the past couple of years, we've, it, we haven't had time to do them or whatever. I would love to do over-unders again and like let you guys help us predict too because like, yeah, I, I'm not sure what I would predict for Nick Bosa sacks. And sacks is not the all, obviously not the only measure of, of a good year for a defensive end. But I don't think this is going to be one of those years where Nick Bosa has six and a half sacks and is really good. I think Nick Bosa is going to have a lot of sacks. Yeah, I think his production is going to be better. And I, I mentioned this a little bit when I wrote about Chase Young this morning that you almost can't afford to overload on Nick Bosa because Chase Young's so good. It's like offensive coordinators are going to have to pick their poison and live with whatever happens. And with those guys around, it's it's really going to be a benefit to both to everybody that like you're not one guy's going to get overloaded and the rest of the guys somehow have to pick up the slack. And the exception to that the uh, to that idea is teams just get rid of the ball so fast that nobody gets to the quarterback and nobody gets sacks because their whole game plan is throw a screen the minute that the ball gets in the quarterback's hands because they can't they know they can't block these guys. Yeah. Fun fact about Nick Joey Bosa's last season, looking at him up four passes defensed compared to only two his first two years. So maybe the, I wonder if that's something they want to scheme up, get those guys trained to get the hands up to bat the balls down at the line. That's a Shiano thing. Um, Tim, you ready for a recruiting question? Uh, Jordan Steele sent in a tweet. He asked, as it stands right now in Ohio State's 2019 class, they don't have a blue-chip cornerback. Do you think this is a result of Kerry Combs' departure to the NFL or just a down year at the position? I don't think they need one, to be honest. Well, I, I, Jordan Battle's going to play yeah, corner. Jordan Battle's a corner. I mean, when you say blue-chip, I th- I assume top 100 I mean, that's an interesting. What's the definition of blue chip? Well, I think blue chip's like the elite of the elite. You call it five star, top fifty, whatever you want to call it. Jordan Battles, right number one sixty five. We think he'll be a corner at the next level. And I wrote about it. It's not a year where Ohio State needs corners. Like They're really deep. They could take one and I think be done. And I think with Jordan Battle, like they don't need more. So. They're, they're looking at guys in 2020. There's there's a couple really good corners in that class as I pull up kind of the list of offers that have already gone out. They've already hit, uh, hammered away at that position pretty good as far as guys. Legend Cavazos is a corner. Yep. Uh, they looked at Ke- Kelly Ringo from Scottsdale, Arizona, the number one corner. Dwight McLaughlin from Texas, the number three corner. R.J. Mickens from Texas, number five. That's three five-star corners that Ohio State has offered. Again, still super early in the process. If you're looking at corners, wait a year. This just wasn't a year, I think, where Ohio State needs corners. It's way down low on the pecking order as far as needs go. Yeah, it's not. So, by the way, you can find, if you search uh, Ohio State football scholarship chart 2018, then we toss the Cleveland.com on the end of it, just make sure you get ours, uh, you can see a breakdown of position by the roster in year and they don't have a senior cornerback, and they have one, two, three, four, five in the freshman and sophomore classes. And then Kendall Sheffield and Damon Arnett are the other two, and I guess could leave, but not a guarantee to do so. So they can have everybody back, and it's just not a position they need to fill up on in 2019. But it also, uh, I am reserving judgment. People loved Kerry Combs when he was here as a developer of cornerbacks and as a recruiter. Right, yep. so it's always one of those things, and I just like to hold people accountable for this. You can't say that the guy is the best ever when he's here, and then when he leaves, be like, "We're fine without him." Like, oh yeah, he's yeah. really, really. Kerry Combs was really good at his job. 
I'm not saying Tabor Johnson isn't good. I'm saying it's going to be really hard to be as good as Kerry Combs was because Kerry Combs was a first-round draft pick factory at corner, and they haven't been that at other positions. And so from a recruiting standpoint and a development standpoint, I'm not assuming that they're going to keep doing what they've done because it's not only Ohio State that was doing that. It was Kerry Combs. And so I'm wondering. Yeah, and I, I think it's Judge Tabor Johnson's recruiting ability on the 2020 class, not the 2019 class. I'm, I'm not be, saying it, it means he's good, but use that as, as, as the benchmark. I was going to say, I'm gonna, one thing I'll keep an eye on in my, maybe my spare time is how the Titans pass defenses with Combs over there uh, working with the corner is going to be very interesting to kind of keep an eye on. Go Titans. Uh, email question in from Zach Kaminsky. He sent it on July 6th. We're getting to it on July 19th. Uh, he says, and this goes to the conversation we had at the beginning of the podcast, um, and I gave my thoughts on this, so I guess I'll leave it up to you guys. He says, Ohio State is the favorite to win the Big Ten this season, as they should be. I will be putting money down for them to win for obvious reasons, but would I be a trader if I hedged a bet and bet a small amount on Michigan? I think, uh, I think it's okay. I think you need to leave your heart in the bathroom when you go to the, <laughs> when you go to the betting window. I, I I think, and I actually understand that it's like if you're an Ohio State fan and you bet money on Ohio State to win the Big Ten, and if Michigan beats Ohio State, and you're heartbroken and devastated, and you're like, well, at least I won money. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that is a good way. Uh, I believe that would be a good despair.com poster. Um, <laughs> would be like to encourage people to bet, to hedge their bets. Like, we know you're devastated, but at least you won some money, you know? So I would bet, I would, I think that's, that's not being a trader. Let's, um, that's f- trying to find some sun, some, a ray of light in the darkness of uh, maybe Michigan being good. Somebody sent an email, and I missed it, on July 11th, uh, asking if you were going to go visit the Alaska Buckeye Club. John Steiner sent that in. Oh, I would have gone. I Where was it? Uh, he says, it's, he said, are you coming far enough north? I don't know. I'm trying to remember if that was the guy that uh, emailed us last season and told, tweeted at us, and as far as like an, a guy from Alaska wanted to know if he could meet up with us. Oh. Obviously, that didn't happen. I know it was a guy from Alaska, so... Um, Eric Boucher sent in a question. He addressed it to Tim, and if you don't have an answer for this, I have one. He says he's currently stuck on NCAA 14, as many people are, awaiting the day that the new one is released. That'll never happen. Uh, he said, can you point me in the direction of a reliable website slash user roster share for the new 2018 rosters for Ohio State? Well, so, it was funny. I think it was a couple weeks ago. I don't, I feel like I, it, I'm not good right now at this because I couldn't find the link right away. I have it now. There are people, there's an ESPN article that Alex Scarborough wrote on July 12th about these people who created, you know, up-to-date rosters for every season for NCAA Football 14, which is a game where now you can, like, download rosters. Um, Trying to see if I can find it. Is it the guys from Operation Sports? Uh, uh, I just... Did it find? If you go to operationsports.com or search Operation Sports 2018-19 NCAA rosters, there's a thread that's a million pages long with a group of guys who updates the rosters for PS4 and Xbox. And it's like an ever-changing thing, and it's not done yet, but by the time the season starts, it will be done. Like, not, I don't know, maybe 30% of the, of the teams are done now. 
But like, if you download it, you can play with last year's Ohio State team or last year's whatever team, and even that's more fun than than playing with the roster from four years ago. So search Operation Sports 2018-19 roster, and you'll find it, and it gives you the file name. Yeah, I'm reading about a guy who says it takes him about 25 hours to edit one team, and it well, takes forever. Yeah, because because he, he there's even a quote here where he's like. How he just doesn't trust all, uh, what high school coaches say about 40 times. He has a full quote. He's like, these high school coaches lie so bad. They have 270-pound linemen running a 4-340. But what's disappointing to me more than anything, I looked it up about a week ago. I can no longer get a digital copy of NCAA 14. I have to go buy a pre-owned copy somewhere for like 30 bucks. They're expensive things. now, too, yeah. Yeah, because it's the end of a dying breed. Like, I have NCAA 13. I don't even know if they have, like, those rosters you can get for that game, let alone NCAA 14. Elroy Hernandez asked a really good question that I don't think we can get to this week because it'll take a long time to talk about. And I think, Doug, you will will enjoy it. Um, Where are we at? Let's do one more question. Let's make it a food question. Should we tease the – what's the – now I want to – Can you make the argument that Trestle has had a better seven seasons than Urban? Interesting. Okay. It was a question from Elroy Hernandez. We'll get to that. I um, have 74 answers <laughs> to that question. Uh, Josh Curie sent in a tweet, and he asked uh, what our level of excitement is for Swenson's coming to Columbus. He also asked who the starting long snapper is going to be, Liam McCullough. Uh, I've never had Swenson's. Have you guys had Swenson's, and, and what do you think about it coming to Columbus? Yes, I have. All right, I'm going to yield the floor to that then, because I am not – I'm just not – I cannot have an intelligent Swenson's discussion. That's my fault. I I've understand never, yeah, never had it. that Ohio people love it, and I don't want that guy who sent the email and gave the review to think that we're anti-Ohio food elitists from the East Coast. Tim, you've been to Swenson's? Yeah. That, Can I ask you one question? Yes. Do they put chili on spaghetti? I don't believe they do. Okay, it's, then it's, it's not trash. burgers and <laughs> fries and ch- chicken sandwiches whatever. Um... For those of you that never heard of what Swenson is, and if you're listening and you're from Akron, you can fast forward through this little portion because you already you'll know it better than I do. But also go to shopohiostate.com. Yes, go to shopohiostate.com before you look up Swenson's and before you fast forward through anything. Pause the podcast. But uh, oh, it's not coming for the first time. There's already one here. Where is it? No, no. There's one on. There's two locations. One's on Sawmill Road in Dublin, which I think is supposed to open soon, and the other, which is the article Bill's looking at, has me really excited. They're opening one near the IKEA in Polaris. Oh, because there's not enough going on over there. Oh yeah. Well, Top Golf still isn't open, which means I'm not going to get to it till like next spring. So glad I don't live near it. Um, I live near it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, we're we're gonna have to do a Buckeye Talk Top Golf event sometime in the spring or summer. What? I think people know what Swenson's is. It's a burger place. It's yes. good from Ohio people like it. Scale of 1 to 10, what's your excitement level on Swenson's coming to Columbus? I'd say about an 8. It's a quality place. You know, it's, you know, they have good burgers. They have very good French fries. It's like the old school classic drive-in where you, like, park. They bring you a menu. They bring the food to your car. They roller skate. That's um, exactly what I was going to ask. I, part of me th- I'm trying to remember if they do or not. They don't roller skate out. Well, obviously in the winter they don't. Ice skate? Uh, maybe. If if the parking lot is frozen enough, maybe they'll ice be for you. But, you know, they got good burgers. The fries are really good. Um, it's an institution around Akron. I know there's a couple places, like, more in the Cleveland area. I think Brexel's got one. So to see it come to Columbus, I think, is a good thing. Doug's mentioned multiple times about how Columbus, in particular the suburbs, like the melting pot of all these different things. Yeah. I think that Columbus is best quality. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to get into a... Su- 
a slight tangent. I might have mentioned this before. There was there's a place on Gemini Avenue across from Polaris Mall that was good. That was like being built. Looked like a restaurant. I was hoping so badly it was a hot chicken takeover. Guess what it is? Burger King. Jiffy Lube. Burger King. Oh. Is it right in front of Toys R Us? Yes, it's yeah. right in front of the Toys R Us that is now closed. And you have no idea how much my heart broke when I found out it was not a hot chicken takeover. Because I, No offense to Burger King. It is weird to see a new Burger King built. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, number one, why are you building a Burger King in Polaris to begin with when across the street you have a Sonic, you have four better places, like, in the same block? But I just, I just imagine that Burger Kings move into existing buildings of restaurants that closed. Just that, like, that you spend all this new money. It's like, oh, we're going to get bricks and electrical wires and plumbing and it's like oh what are you building a burger king <laughs> and it just seems like a waste of resources yeah i do no offense to burger king if you want to be a sponsor but i can't it is incongruous to me that someone would build a new existing just like going into an arby's why would you build just put a Put a put a Burger King in like an old Radio Shack. Yeah, you know, uh, get a Whopper in there. You used to get batteries. To me, to me, it's like you. There's a movie. If there's a movie coming out that you're excited about, for example, Mission Impossible Six comes out next Saturday, next Friday. I'm really excited to see it because I love the franchise. You're the one. If um, moving. On. If that if I if all the reviews for that movie look great, and all of a sudden they announce that Michael Bay is directing Mission Impossible Six, no, you have no, you'll my. He's, Happiness he will plummet significantly. I just assumed he directed all of them. No, he didn't. Seems I, like it's up his ass. John Woo directed one. I think Brian De Palma directed the first one, which, I, by the way, is my favorite. Because, like, I anytime it's on TV, I watch it. That you have a favorite Mission Impossible movie, it might be the least surprising is, thing about you. Is Tom Cruise 60? Tom Cruise is 60. Well, he's, he's four feet he's tall. He's 60. He's four feet tall. He's 60 years old. And he's in action movies. It's unbelievable. I, I have no idea if he's still doing his own stunts or not. Now, how, look up how old he is. Is he 60? He's 56. He's 56! He's 5 foot 7. Yeah. And I... Oh, yeah, he does do his own stunts. So I remember reading, I think, in Mission Impossible 6, he does a stunt when, like, he broke his ankle or something. Is that a thing? You know how it's like, it's a big deal if you shoot your age in golf? Is that, Or, like, when it's your birthday on your birthday? Like, if your oh, birthday yeah. is on February 12th when you turn 12, right, is a thing? Yeah. Is it a thing when you're the same age as your height? <laughs> Like Tom Cruise is fifty six and he's five. He's five six. Um, all right, listen. Hey, do you know that they're remodeling the McDonald's we work at? I do know that it's like currently being done. Yeah, cool. Is it closed or is it no, open? It's still remodeling. open. It's still open. I actually had talked. I talked to um, the owner about that. He told me oh, to yeah, do that. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. um, they're gonna have to. I think have to move out a lot of the Ohio State stuff, like the. Stuff they had in there that was like a museum. Okay, here's the deal. ShopOhioState.com. Thanks to Barnes & Noble, the Ohio State University bookstore. It's your place to buy Ohio State stuff in person or online. They're going to be a sponsor of Buckeye Talk through this football season. So when you listen to Buckeye Talk, you're going to get updates on the latest deals they have there, what's going on there. Please make ShopOhioState.com your place on the web for buying Ohio State gear. They've got Nike stuff, stuff from all kinds of other um, makers. Go there. Go there. 
It will help them. It will help us. It will make you feel good inside. August 27th. We hope it's already on your calendar. The first live Buckeye Talk. It's going to be at the Hofbra House. Is it the Hofbra House or just Hofbra House? Just Hofbra House. Hofbra House. What's the address for that? It's in Columbus. Goodell Road. I think 1800 Goodell Road. It's the Monday before the opener. 800 Goodell Boulevard, which for our listeners, it's just west of 315. It's When you go 315. You know what it's near, and I guess it won't be there then, is where the team stays where it's uh, oh. camp. Yeah. Maybe we can have players come over and watch. Um, live Buckeye Talk on a stage. You can eat, buy food. You can buy food, right? They serve beer by the leader. You can get. You can have a beer. You can have a beer. Blandis is going to wear his banana shirt mm-hmm. and his cheese face. What's the etiquette of me drinking a beer during the show? If it's for like a contest, here's the thing. We'll do the show and then Landis is going to stay afterwards for two hours. I'll definitely do that. And hang out and drink beers with you guys. Please mark it on your calendar. If there's any way you can come, come. What time is it? <laughs> you should have pulled it up. I should know. I need to make sure I'm there at the right time. I'll try to be it's on time. It's on August 27th. August 27th, 2018. It's, it's a Monday. What time is it? <laughs> I don't believe we ever... Do we say, do we say there, the time? time? Oh, my God. Wait, here, wait. Oh, In wait. the evening? Oh, 7 to 9. 7 to 9. Admission is free. Admission is free. You just have to go... There's a link on cleveland.com you can go to. You have to click on a link to sign up for tickets. It's free, but you have to sign up to get on the list to register for tickets. Because we're anticipating such a crowd. So go to cleveland.com slash OSU. Is it there on the page? Is it yes, easy to find? Top, go to cleveland.com slash OSU. It's in the top right-hand corner. Top right-hand corner. Please come. We want to hang out with you guys. We're going to have good Ohio State talk. It's going to be fun. It will be fun. We will take your questions. We'll do some crazy stuff. Um, again, I, I was part of this. We did it for a, a NFL draft show around the Browns um, in April in Cleveland. It was the same kind of thing at a bar restaurant with a little stage. It was a really good time. It was a really good discussion. This is going to be the same kind of thing. Please come hang out with us. We want to uh, see you guys out there and finally get to interact with you in person. August 27th, 7 to 9, Hofbra House in Columbus. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter at Buckeye Talk Pod, at Tim Bielek, at Bill Landis 25, at Doug Lane Maurice. We will be in Chicago for Big Ten Media Days on Monday and Tuesday. Um, what else? The basketball tournament is this weekend uh, at Capital University. Two Ohio State alumni teams, Scarlet and Gray and BX, are both playing on Saturday. Um, the first game is at 10 a.m. Big X plays at 10 a.m. And then Scarlet and Gray plays later in the afternoon. Um, I'll be there. Come watch basketball. You can watch like David Lady and Aaron Kraft and Jared Sullinger and William Buford and John Diebler and all those guys play together. Is Odin playing? Odin is on the team, but he is not playing here because he has to be out of town for something. But if they advance, and I think they will, they'll play the following weekend at Atlanta and he should play play then. It was a big, it was a weird thing. They're like, oh, Greg Odin's playing. And we go to, the, go to talk to Greg Odin. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not playing in Columbus, though. Kind of took the air of the balloon a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even, is it the same roster as last year? Or is there anyone new? Uh, BJ, BJ Mullins. Oh, right. Who I think prefers to be called Byron now. Right. Yeah. 
But he was going to be instead of Jared, but Jared's actually also playing. And Jared's playing now, too. Yeah. So they're deeper. Yeah, oh, and they actually they added Taylor Battle from Penn State, like as a Taylor point, Battle point guard. Yeah, I don't. They're going to be really good. Like if they don't win, I, it would be an upset, I think. And is there animosity between this team and the other Ohio State team? <sighs> no, I don't think this Ohio State team is taking the other one very seriously. <laughs> and who's on the other one? Uh, Andrew Dockett started it, and Cam Williams is playing. Jay Sean Tate was supposed to play, but he's not because he got hurt in summer league. A um, couple guys from Michigan are supposed to be like Duncan Robinson. Supposed to be, but I don't know if he's going to play. Um, Vito Brown from Wisconsin. Um, what's the guy from Illinois? Nana. F- Nana Egwu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I found. I just found the rosters right now. Yeah, they're not as good. They're not as good. They won't play each other though until they get to Atlanta, which is kind of disappointing. They should have set it up that they would have played each other here on Sunday. Oh yeah, that would have been fun. Um, I don't know why they didn't do it that way, but you can okay. go watch them both play. But then, yeah, I think I like. Scooney Penn, who's the coach of the Scarlet and Gray, is not taking the Big X team seriously at all. Okay. Is Andrew Dockich the coach of the Big X team? Player coach? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. All yeah, right. He might be. <laughs> That's a lot of uh, basketball tournament talk. Okay. Thanks to you guys. Big things happening with the podcast. More big things ahead. Big Ten Media Days next week. Bunch of coverage on Monday and Tuesday. Podcast dropping next Wednesday. Friday, we will have... Going into it, this week on Friday, our Cleveland.com preseason media poll where we will predict who's going to win the Big Ten. Thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks to Barnes & Noble, the Ohio State University bookstore. Shop OhioState.com. For Bill Landis and Tim Bielek, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talking.